I've been fighting crime my entire life and I am never, ever, ever going to quit. Welcome to Hell's Kitchen. The tenant ratio in the house is extremely high. Tonight, I give you Don Melton. Tonight, I give you Tony Sindelar. That wasn't a good hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> I, I give you I give you Dan Morin. Hello. I give you Guy English. Hello. I would like to return at least one of those four. Probably Guy. That's right. You've given me well, too much. Too much, Moe's. I know. Well, that's fine. But here's the thing. We're going over episodes 10 through 12 to round out, before we get to the finale, the pretty much some of the meatiest of the episodes, in my opinion. Starting out, and I want to, because we have two new tenants in the house, we've got to kind of go over some, some basic logistics and information. So I'll start with Don because he's the oldest. And um, the slowest. That's right. <laughs> Don, so what coming coming into Daredevil, what was your background uh, in Daredevil? Did you even okay. read the comics? Read the comics, boy. I bought Daredevil number one on the newsstand. Do you know how old I am? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Shit. Uh, so here's the funny thing is... Um, I know if you do you guys ever hear of uh, Pacific Comics, the Shanus brothers, they did a lot of undergrounds in the 70s and stuff like that. They started their business off me and my sister's comic collection that we had collected back in the 60s, mostly Marvels, because that's what, you know, the hipsters did. It it was Marvel and not DC. So the funny thing is on Daredevil, you know, I was I was reading, you know, the early stuff. Uh, I I mean, my my favorite uh, favorite artists, of course, were actually Wally Wood and Gene Colan. You know, back in the the earlier days. And I r- read and reread uh, probably uh, the first hundred hundred and fifty Daredevils uh, religiously uh, because I had all of them. You know, uh, and the funny thing is, even though I'm familiar with a lot of the stories. I had kind of stepped sideways out of comics once I decided that I, I didn't want to be a comic artist, which I was, I was doing underground comics for a while. Once I decided I didn't want to be a comic artist, and I kind of missed the Frank Miller era of Daredevil. I, I know what happened. I know what the stories were. My, my sister, who still reads every goddamn comic you know ever out there, She's briefed me on all this stuff, and she she brought me back in to the eighty uh, in the eighties back into comic books for some of the really good stuff, like you know the Watchmen and the Dark Knight and uh, Cerebus the Aardvark and you know uh, various random stuff like that. But my foray into Daredevil was uh, back when I believe he first appeared in ooh, I want to say sixty two or sixty three, and I was. I think it was uh, about nine years old at the time, eight or nine years old. So, and I was really, I was really, 
I, I just love the character. I just I just thought it was so cool. And it took me a long time before I, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about this later on. It took me a long time to, uh, uh, before I really figured out what his superpower was. So we'll get to that discussion later on. So that's my history with Daredevil. And I didn't really get back into it until the uh, film from, uh, I guess it was, uh, is it eight years ago now? Ugh. Yeah. So, so. Now, now you guys are saying that, but I here's the thing. I know I you actually, liked it. I yeah, know I liked you liked it. it. And, and here's the thing: you got to remember, when I was a kid in the '60s and the early '70s, my sister and I would talk about comics, and we we would cast, you know, for movies all of our favorite Marvel comics and stuff, and we would say, "Wouldn't it be great if they'd ever make movies of these things?" And we just knew it was all bullshit. It was just all pigs were going to fly before that ever happened. So, you know, as bad as a lot of people thought Daredevil was, I never thought that would be made. And then when I heard that Netflix was going to do Daredevil, I and then when I heard who was in charge, um, uh, uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite people from the the Buffy canon, one of one of my favorite people from the Whedon universe, Drew Goddard. I was like through the roof. I, it's, you know, I if I I'm retired. You'd think I'd have the time, but if I could have marathoned the whole thing in one day, I would have done it. <laughs> it took me a couple of days to do it, but I, you know, I just loved it. It does have its flaws, and we'll probably go over some of them. But that's my background. On Don, I just we just learned a couple different like facets of you that I am absolutely kind of gobsmacked by the whole idea that you could have in a parallel universe been drawing comics uh, as a profession. Oh, I did. I did draw comics. Yeah, I did draw comics. I, I, it pays like shit and I did it mostly undergrounds. (laughs) (laughs) It's really terrible. And, uh, but I, I knew a lot of the people who, who did this. Some of the, you know, I, I've met Stan Lee. Uh, uh, you know, I've met uh, some of the other people who worked on uh, on Daredevil. Uh, uh, I never got a chance to meet uh, Bill Everett, who was the co-creator. But I met Johnny Ramita, and I met Gene Colan. So Jack Kirby and people like that. It was this at the retirement home? <laughs> yeah, the retirement. No, it was the the San Diego Comic Con back when, it, you know, it was uh, nobody knew about it. But back before it was the media, film, theater, television extravaganza. This was back when it gotcha. was just. Uh, it was filled with people, you know that that were guests that nobody ever heard of. That normal people did not know these people exist because, you know, these were. F- these were funny books, right? As my dad right. would would call them. These were funny books, and you know, these people, just, you know, they were like the Rodney Dangerfields of the creator world, uh, creative world. They they got no respect and they got no money either. And uh, but uh, a few crazy people, Sheldorf uh, included, wonderful man, convinced a lot of them to come out to San Diego of all places. Uh, and as a kid, you know, I saved all my money every summer and, uh, I didn't go to the first San Diego comic con, but I did go to, uh, probably the second through the, I want to say the seventh comic con 
until about the 80s rolled around. Jeez. So. All right, Tony, now you, you, you paid your rent, so what's the background on Daredevil for you? Uh, my background on Daredevil may be uh, embarrassingly uh, scant. Um, I've always been much more of a DC <laughs> Comics guy than a Marvel Comics guy. Uh, I was Bastard. raised in a, a, a Batman household, so... Uh, <laughs> um, you know. Daily daily beatings. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, my um, mother was a Batman. Don't my father my parents, was Spider-Man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I so I think he... he I, I had enough kind of nerd cred that I've always... I don't remember not knowing about Daredevil in the way that, you know, I, I feel like you're just aware of a certain number of, of superheroes if you have enough pop culture knowledge. And as, you know, a comic book enthusiast, you you um, you tend to have a slightly deeper... But I don't think I've ever actually read a Daredevil comic. I've definitely read comics that he has appeared in, um, but I don't think I've ever read any of the main Daredevil titles. I did see uh, the dreadful uh, 2003 Daredevil movie, uh, Valentine's Day 2003. Never forget. Um, <laughs> but I, I am much less... Is that because you woke up afterwards or what? <laughs> so... Um, but it but broke I, your heart. Uh, I did okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Uh, I, I have. I don't think I've ever read any of the comics. For say, and in fact, I have kind of the amusing uh, sideway entry into it in that um, I've read all the the Ninja Turtle comics, which I do. I did not realize until recently how much of a parody of Daredevil they are with the Ninja Turtles origin stories and the naming of the Foot Clan as a parody of the Hand, and even Splinter being basically a parody of Stick. Um, I knew they were kind of a parody of the comics of that time and like, you know, how grim and, and gritty everything was by making their, you know, kind of more ridiculous characters in that setting. But yeah, I don't think I've ever actually read a Daredevil comic. Please don't kick me out. No, you're not no, kicked out because you okay. watched the show. Yeah. I have. But plus, plus it's a really useful perspective. By the way, uh, speaking of the hand, I was listening to, to prep for this, I was listening to the last episode. Uh, and I noticed you guys mentioned stick and the hand and whatever. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the hand. The hand are the bad guys. Yeah, he he is there. He's against the chase. Is the yeah, is we, the good guys? Screwed right? that up. So just yeah. just gotcha. wanted to get that correction. So. And yeah. speaking of which, it's it it looks like that guy that has all the scars on him is probably going to be the guy called Stone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be my guess. And this is totally going to be crossover into like Iron Fist territory. Oh, yeah. I think well, that would be my guess. Yeah, kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. That seems oh. that seems clear. I have read a bunch of Iron Fist, including ones where I think Daredevil pops in. You know, because I, I believe even that's kind of wacky that you read Iron Fist but not Daredevil. I you'll you'll have to explain to me why that's wrong. That's just that's the life I live every <laughs> every day, guy. I am a person who has read Iron Fist but not Daredevil, <laughs> and I cope every day. Uh, I believe there's even I mean, uh, actually cope. You know, if this Much is like what Matt life Murdoch's is. blindness, you cope with it. Yeah, I'm making do. Um, it's wh- I really didn't mean that to be insulting, <laughs> and, yet, and yet it was <laughs> my English, and yet it was. Um, I believe wow. there's even. A, I, I believe that. Uh, I think Iron Fist fills in for Daredevil at at some point in the continuity. Yes, he dresses up yeah. in the ridiculous yeah, comic yeah. trope where people fill in for each other. Um, to make sure that well, you gotta va- you gotta go on vacation. Or- yeah, you gotta go on vacation, right? Well, but I, I, I was like super, Superman, Superman filling in Batman for Batman. Filling in for Superman. I worry yes, about. Exactly. I mean, it makes to me it makes sense. Like, if there are there are there stringers that they can pull in or something. But like, how does Iron Man have time to be Iron Man and also 
Daredevil. At least they're in the same city, right? But, like, Batman pulls in people to be Batman occasionally, and it's like that, you know... I don't know. These people are very busy. They already have a secret identity and a legit identity. And now you want me to put in hours as, you know, Daredevil to make sure that people don't forget about Daredevil? Like, yeah, but you get you get equity though. You get shares in Daredevil, which is pretty great. Right. Yeah. And Tony and uh, and Bruce Wayne can basically do whatever they want, right? Do you mean Tony Stark or Tony Sindelar? I'm just just to clear. I also both. I also do both. Um, It goes more. Tony's Tony's just a badass. Uh, That's not true. Uh, So. I will never forget. There is a scene in to speak of this ridiculous identity thing. There's there's a scene in the Batman animated series where uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne need to be somewhere, and so he <laughs> yeah. he has Robin dress up in like a like a mask to look like Bruce Wayne, and I'm like that, and he has to wear stilts to pass as Bruce Wayne, and I'm like that is so stupid. You know, it would be a lot easier to pass as Batman, a guy that nobody really knows what he looks like and just isn't a bat suit instead of wearing a life. Bruce Wayne mask that that's poor planning on their part, but anyway. it's just gross. That's now, irrelevant to Daredevil. So. What now? You brought up a good point because coming into episode ten, Nelson versus Murdoch. Yep, we're dealing in identities mm-hmm. and some and capabilities within that. Foggy learns after um, Matt gets brutally um, beat down by Fisk and. Um, What's his name? Nobu. 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 Um, and so they, they come together, and Foggy is just like, everything you are to me is a lie. We also have um, Fisk in pretty shocking role for him. You know, uh, Vanessa gets poisoned. And so the, the one person that he lets into his life is somebody tries to take away and we also have another interact very uh interesting interaction with madame gowan fisk and how these types of things and having these uh attachments in your life are going to cost you so let's start it out how 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 was the the this this interaction between the two because we did have some really interesting flashbacking as well well, I think it's interesting. I mean, secret identities obviously are a huge part of the superhero like you know genre. Um, especially, I think they've done interesting stuff with a lot of the TV and movie adaptations over recent years because they focus on them somewhat less. Um, like if you go over to like Arrow or The Flash or something, like there are huge swaths of people that know the secret identity. Whereas if you you know uh, compare that instead to like some of the Superman stuff from early on, it was like oh nobody can know that Superman is Clark Kent or that Bruce Wayne is Batman, right? Like it was a big deal when someone found out. And I think it's kind of cool here that we actually finally get to see in a show the real like they devote a ton of time to this is how these two guys who are you know like best friends this is what happens when one of them discovers the other one has been lying to him for years right like a lot of times it doesn't get that kind of focus like i'm thinking of you know even things on arrow or or the flash again where it's like people people you have they have like 10 minutes to be like angry about it and then it's like oh but you know circumstances are heightened and you're doing this thing and you need to save the city okay fine i'm kind of over it but in this one it like it you know, almost irreparably damages their relationship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fallout from it. And I think that's 
that's a really and you know putting it in, in this staging where you basically just have these two characters sort of bouncing off each other um, in a, in an almost play like setting. I mean, we get the we do get the benefit of flashbacks as well, but it really brings a lot of uh, you know sort of realism, for lack of a better word, into this in terms of like how would you be fe- like how would you feel if you found out that like this guy that you've known for you know ten years or whatever has lied to you about these really really fundamental things in his life, and and that's that's cool to watch. Especially well, you, you get you get the idea from Foggy that you know Foggy doesn't really seem to have much of a filter, so probably he has zero secrets from Matt about anything, including probably some things that Matt would prefer not to know about. But that's just how Foggy <laughs> is, right? Well, in fact, he says that at the end. He says, um, "He says I would never keep this from you." And Matt says, "Well, you don't know that." And he says, "Yes, I do." And he walks yeah. out. Uh, you definitely get the sense that Foggy is pretty much all in and just like you said there's there's no secrets from him no he wears it on his sleeve the thing is what you're watching here yeah. is you, you could actually change out the dialogue on a lot of this episode and it would be about a couple of married people yeah this is marriage mm-hmm. therapy that we're watching this is this is a betrayal of that kind some of the setups the flashbacks the actual tensions for you know he he said she said kind of things that's there. That's actually what makes it easy, in a way, to write about this. You know, I'm I'm finding it's, out it's your secret. Like enough, you know, yeah. You know, it's you, almost like an been, affair in some ways, right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, totally. You've got yeah, Foggy yeah. and Matt and Daredevil, right? Like, it's sort of like there's a third person in the room. Yeah, it's a beta- it's a betrayal exactly. of trust yeah. in a very intimate, long relationship. Yeah, and there there are consequences for being a superhero or a vigilante. You know, you you do need to keep secrets, but when you know, and it's that's from the very people that you're trying to keep safe. Right. right. I mean, when Dan found out about my crime fighting, we it was it we was, had, it was uh, touch, we had it was a rough touch and go. We wow. had a rough touch and go. It was wow. touch and go. Yeah. So the, um, the other thing that's one thing I did want to say about sorry, Don. One thing I wanted to say about uh, Foggy is that when he lies to Karen on the phone, he's legitimately pissed that he had to lie to his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he's such an honest, like you said, wears it on his sleeve kind of guy, that he's, it hurts him to have to lie to Karen. And he does it poorly, and he does it in a testy way. Like, she knows that she's being lied to, kind of, but it's it's just handled well. I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Foggy character, but I'm liking him. I've grown to like him as a series. Well, yeah, this part of that is Elden really Hens- changed it. Eldon Henson's yeah. uh, portrayal. Yeah. And this is a great role for him because it's a it's a big stretch from a lot of the stuff uh, that he's done. And he he you know he has a career that's almost as long as Bob Gunton's. I mean, because Eldon's been uh, in movies since he was like eight, right? And TV shows. So uh, I mean, the guy was in like The Mighty Ducks and shit like that. So uh, holy smokes, that's him! Yeah, yeah, that's him. So wow, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. won't be the last Before time episode, I blow your I thought mind. He wasn't, yeah, I was like not a, a f- thrilled by his acting previous to this. I think like there's scenes with him and Karen, and Karen is just a better actress or well, actor. But they give, they, uh, give, they also have different amounts of material. I think I think Karen yes, is she has it. a past that is burdened down, and she has like you know sort of all this this angst and foggy again. Like we're saying, he's an open book. Like he doesn't have that, and you know. In comparison to Matt and Karen, who both have these sort of dark pasts, you know, Foggy comes across as very uncomplicated. And I think that maybe mm-hmm. makes his his character seem more simplistic than it really is. 
but he's also kind of necessary because yeah. he is the the kind of life or the kind of person that that Matt is fighting for, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, that's he's, a big yeah. deal. He's the spouse. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this uh, this episode sort of changed my opinion of his acting abilities because they gave him material worth acting against mm-hmm. rather than just goofy lines. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like that you compared it to to Flash and Arrow, where you know you you can't even count anymore how many people know their various secret identities. And, Every, everyone you know, knows everyone, everyone basically, knows. and yeah. and they and I they, love the Captain Cold just walks into the yeah. secret base in this one, <laughs> and they disclose That's things extra awesome. right away. And some of yeah. that I feel like is kind of a yeah. a TV trope in terms of you need people for the hero to talk to so that he's not just you know monologuing uh, to the to the audience, and and we well, kind of get around that in daredevil because he he has his priests who he can go and talk to right so we we get a version of who daredevil can talk to even though he's not you know in costume in those scenes and and in the next episode you know he the priest confirms that he's not stupid he figured it out but he's also you know he's also talked to night nurse right you know Mm -hmm. that's who claire plays she plays well the other thing like man yeah i want to get there because the other thing i don't think people listening to or on the panel know is that uh you were training to be a priest at one point, Don. Well, not a priest. Uh, uh, we're talking a, Sorry, I, uh, a preacher a, uh, in the same sect as. Preacher, uh, yeah. This is why I got out of comics. I got. Uh, I had their whole religion bent. You know, this was the Jimmy Swagger and <laughs> like Jim Baker uh, religion. We're talking um, speaking in tongues, Jericho marches. We did everything except Are handle. You serious? Oh, yeah, man. we did everything uh, just shy of handling snakes. So that was the thing I was in for a while. So I, I've had, uh, and people wonder why you know I talk like a sailor. You know, you go through that, and <laughs> go through that, and you you know you learn to deal with it. Yeah. So. You're you're ready to roll then. Yeah. So so what else know, happens in work, this Working work at binge. Apple after doing underground comics, uh, standing in the pulpit, uh, you know, just seemed kind of natural. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it made perfect sense to me on a timeline. Well, yeah. here's here's one one factor that I thought about that actually brings us into the next episode a little bit. This is actually kind of a uh, one of those little little uh, Jenga pieces that gets pulled, um, and it's when Karen brings Ben to see Fisk, or I should say Fisk's, Fisk's mother. mother. Yeah. And oh, I love that, that whole scene. Real- Did yeah, you guys see that coming? Did you see that coming? No, I, th- I thought it was going to be someone from Karen's past, but yeah, there was like there is a, like sort of a misdirect there. I didn't. see I was it pretty coming. sure it was going to be Fisk's mother because we met her in the previous episode. The mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the the body cutting up one. Jeez, uh, uh, that's <laughs> is that is that episode f- uh, four in the blood? No. The- no, it's like eight or nine. Yeah, it's eight or nine. I talked, eight we or nine. talked about it with Merlin last week, yeah. so it's yeah. on there. Yeah. It's it's the one where we we really see after the aftermath of the hammer, and Mom says, "Well, we're going to take care of this," and starts, you know, "Go get me the saw." Yeah, but it's a, start, com- it's a completely different actress too. Right? Oh mom, yeah, 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 mom, mom oh, yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very much so. <laughs> she protects her wasn't, cup. Wasn't his fault. Wasn't his fault. And that was that um, was really creepy. You know, like, and they started diving deeper and deeper into the husbands. And, you know, she was even kind of just the way she talked about him. It was just kind of like, you know, he was kind of, he was just, he was, he was a drinker. You know, he just didn't, didn't have it all together. Yeah. It, it, 
the show is really good. The writers and directors are really good about making awkward situations with with people and not high tension in the stereotypical comic book way threats, but in the kind of way that sometimes I imagine, although I don't watch them, but that I imagine uh, the very best soap opera might be. <laughs> You know that that mm-hmm. awkward tension kind of uh, kind of stuff, and they really know how to turn corners quickly and surprise you. That was the thing that kept me coming back to the show. Is I totally and I normally can figure things out. I've I you know I've sat through a lot of story meetings. I you know I I, I plot these things out myself. I got to tell you, you know the end of um, the Path of the Righteous. I totally didn't see that one coming. <laughs> With uh, Karen and Wesley, just totally okay. didn't see. We'll, we'll get to that eventually, oh, yeah. but I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Let's, well, let's I mean, go back let's to the move. explanation. Uh, when, if I could, for a moment, just to test you guys, when uh, Don Melton Fo- test. Yeah, when Matt is t- describing his powers to Foggy, hmm. what did you think about that? I, it's weird because I think it runs into the same problem that I think I have with – I didn't mind the visual shot early on when we get from Matt's point of view looking at Claire. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting just like sort of dynamic again because like, you know, the, the question is, is he blind or is he not? Like, yes, his his eyes don't work the same way that most people's do, but he could essentially walk around without his cane – and not mm-hmm. run into any problems whatsoever, which I think is tricky because it's you know if you're trying to establish a guy who is uh, essentially for a lot of people considered you know a, a big pioneer of sort of like a, dis- a superhero with a disability, right? Like saying that he has a disability, but it's not really a disability is like is kind of it's kind of minimalizing like you know what's going on there, and so I, I think I have it's nice that that Foggy puts him on the spot with that. But it's also weird because then when we go back and see him in flashbacks and he's using the cane and wearing the dark glasses and stuff like that and talking to Foggy, you're like thinking like, is he just like, wow, it's really disturbing that this guy is not exactly lying about being blind, but also kind of lying about being blind. Well, I think that uh, serves Foggy's character well in that we feel betrayed, like watching him with the cane. Sure, sure. Like, it's like this guy's just, he's faking it, basically. Um, as for the world, like what I did like is um, it cuts back to Foggy and Matt arguing, and, and Foggy, I think the, the line is just like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard you, world on fire." And I like that they just skipped that bit because we'd yeah. already seen it with Claire. Yeah. So, did so they I didn't, love that. I'm, they didn't I'm bother glad you into picked up on that. That's really cool. Yeah, you can yeah. do that in a 13 episode Netflix miniseries in a way that you can't on a network television show where right. you would have to rehash all those points. Because yeah. that would have been like six weeks ago, like a, like two months even. It would have been wild, exactly, so. exactly. But the key thing is they never really talk about what Daredevil's superpower is. And this is what I was referencing earlier when I was a kid. It took me a couple of years of reading Daredevil before I figured out what his superpower is. And it's so damn obvious. It's not the heightened sentences. It's not the being trained, you know, by this martial arts master. It's what he inherited before the chemical splashed in his lo- eyes, what he inherited from his dad. Going the distance? It's getting the back distance. up again. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. That's his superpower. He can take a beating and keep on ticking because he's going right. to come back after you. Let, go back to the first episode, and when Daredevil first talks to the priest, and he talks in just glowing terms about his dad, that's the superpower. And if you actually follow the comics over the years, the one thing that would separate <laughs> Daredevil from a lot of the other heroes, even Spider-Man, you know, well, people couldn't believe it that he would just keep getting back up. And if there's one thing I want to add to this show, I just wanted to enlighten people. That's because he, he's a normal guy. You know, he doesn't have super strength. He doesn't really have super, you know, regenerative abilities. He just doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> and that's what makes him so heroic and so tragic. It's like when he tells foggy at the end before foggy walks out that he's not going to stop being daredevil because he doesn't uh, yeah he can't it's it's in his blood exactly man don that was a real good pull that was like a matt drance (laughs) thematic pull (laughs) hey hey i learned from the master there you go (laughs) i i have been dranced so many times (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, so bring so as as we push forward, then because now Matt is on the mend, but now things have gotten kind of spiraling into a into a into a weird um, uh, kind of vortex because we end. I'm going to go ahead and say it. We end with Karen shooting, really Fisk's Fisk's you know right hand man, his best friend, the closest his- thing that he has to a friend. His son, yeah, essentially, and you know, and so that in that going backwards, and why did that happen? Well, because Madame Gal warned Fisk about getting too close to somebody, and all this, he, all his whole focus gets shifted. Now, I can't remember. Was it the owl that poisoned him? Poisoned yeah. everybody. Yes, yeah, he's he's involved. It was yeah. the it was the owl and it was Madame yeah. Gao who were responsible yeah. for it. You find in the that next out, episode. Yeah, you find that out at the end of the next episode. But but here's the thing. Remember what uh, I think it's at the end of twelve when Matt is in the office with Karen and he talks about how and he doesn't say that it's stick, but he says, you know. This guy told me that if I'm ever going to be able to do this, I can't, you know, I've got to push everybody away. Think about the parallels Mm -hmm. between what's going on with Fisk, what people want him to do, and what Daredevil has been doing himself. Matt Murdock has been doing himself. He's been doing the opposite of Fisk, really. He's pushing Foggy away. He's pushing Karen away. Hell, he even pushed Stick away. You know, they they were fighting the entire time he was there. Yeah. But but Fisk, he's developed this relationship, and it's really weird. He's the villain. Daredevil's the right. hero. What the hell? It, this is brilliant writing because it took me watching it like the third damn time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think because it's interesting that we get it's bold enough to do 
an episode as was in earlier um one of the earlier episodes to do an episode that's primarily from the point of view of a villain like that in and of itself is already kind of like you know raising the bar a little bit because in that episode we necessarily have to see fisk as our protagonist and we sort of have to root for him which is a weird position for us as the audience to be put in (laughs) and you know that, that continues here because I love that take. in you some ways know you know we've feel. got a bur- this burgeoning love story and there is something very sympathetic about that to this guy and you know you do get to that point of like yeah maybe he is just trying to make the city a better place why is that daredevil guy giving him such a hard time <laughs> one thing i loved about well first of all the actor who played wesley wesley was one of my favorite characters yes. the actor that played him did a terrific job i did not see this coming in a million years no. Um, I didn't expect him to become as as interesting, and I, I no. agree. I didn't ing- I didn't expect to care about that guy that much. You thought he was a no, two dimensional bad guy, right? Yeah, well, kind of like he was like the he was not the even Vader. He was like he was like yeah. the hand. He was the functionary he, of like big big guy. He was almost but just a placeholder I, until we got to see Fisk at first, right? He was right, like, exactly, we don't use, right, we yeah. don't use his yeah. name, and then he then Fisk shows up, and it's like, well, do you still matter? And like, the answer is yes, somewhat. Surprisingly. Yeah, exactly. And I, so I'd grown to like him. And what I really liked about him was in the hospital when uh, Vanessa gets poisoned. He's really taking care of Fisk. He's uh, keeping Al away from him, Owlsley away from him. He's like basically just concerned about Wilson. And when he's asked to call back Wilson's mother, his entire body posture changes. Like he leans up against the wall. He's got a big smile on his face and he calls up his friend's mother to see how she's doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, I just liked it he just became really human in that moment um did you like the little and piece he of kind of snaps when he you know well snaps he, he give me the gun give me the keys i'm i'm gonna go take care of this well because um, he's gonna defend his boss his mentor he's, exactly the, the person exactly. he really yeah. respects and love even when he talks to karen when he's sitting in the chair you know when he asks her you know if she likes it here right and he said, you know, he hits it, but he said, you know, Fisk loves it, so I love it. That's what yeah, we have to do. I agree. And you know what? I, I don't think he's ever killed anybody. I don't think he's a killer. No. Uh, like, he's trying to scare her, but A, he doesn't carry his own gun. He had to ask for one. And B, I think he really did just want to give her the job. Like, I'll pay you a bunch of money to make sure that yeah. this story just goes nowhere. Because that's the easiest thing to do, right? Like... So the question is, is you started to feel sympathy for him, and especially the little tender moment that him and Fisk had on the bench outside the hospital room. That was also good. When Karen shot him just shockingly, not just once, but multiple times, like really violently, did you dislike (laughs) Karen for that? No, not at all. Okay. No, but I jumped. I I definitely had that moment (laughs) of, yeah, like the, oh my God, like because, you know... It's the there's a Chekhov's gun scene there, right? The gun gets put right. on the table. You're convinced someone's going to get shot. I had in my mindset again, like you, like you, Don. You know, having seen a lot of stories and plot, a lot of stories, it's like, all right, the gun's on the table, someone's going to get shot. Yeah. And in my mind, I do the calculus where I'm like, well, Karen is too important to basically get shot, just in terms of like her position in the story. So he's probably going to get shot. But also, you also wonder, like, okay, is is there a possibility that this scene gets diffused in a way that doesn't involve the gun going off? But the fact that it's also shot so kinetically in that, mm-hmm. like, it's the scramble for the gun, right? The fact yeah. that she takes advantage of that momentary lapse as the phone rings. And then they have um, that kind of 
they both try and bluff each other where he you know says i wouldn't put a uh, you know a loaded gun on the table and she has that line and he smiles he smiles this is is the first time i've shot someone and right that's that's dark right oh very I need, well, that's what I meant. Did you yeah. dislike Karen then that she I mean, did? I think we are getting an insight there into this version of the character that is very dark. She then immediately shoots him several times more than is necessary. And then it's what happens right after that that I think really kind of solidifies it. Her next instinct is to like, she's wiping the table down to remove her fingerprints. And it's like, and I th- that's not something I th- like a helpless victim does. Exactly. No, the thing I thought about the thing I thought about that got me there is the fact that knowing the position she's in and knowing what she knows about the police, she knows it doesn't matter. It was totally legitimate self defense, arguably, but it doesn't matter because Fisk controls the cops. So she is never, you know, like if her if there's any evidence pointing towards her, she's never going to get a fair trial or anything like that. She is basically a dead woman, and they've already tried, you know, to kill her once. So I can see. I, I had that brief moment too of like you, Tony, thinking like, "Oh, that is that's a sort of like sketchy thing mm-hmm. to do." Like as someone who works for a law firm and should like mm-hmm. arguably believes in the power of you know the law and justice to basically subvert that, but at the same time realizing there's a pragmatism there because she knows that the law will not help her here. But I think she to do it get out of that so mm-hmm. immediately is reads as so much more sinister, right? Right. Yeah, and, well, and it's the I, transition. I think she probably redeems herself. It's a transition into her guilt phase in the next episode. Yeah. That's why. By the way, did you guys notice what the editor did with the very end of that episode? And he's done it in other episodes, too. (laughs) Fade to black, and the phone keeps ringing before the uh, credits go up. At least twice. I missed it. Very, Um, very subtle, creepy, and unpleasant. Yeah. And that, I, I don't find her shooting. Sorry, I can't keep getting you off. Don. No, ahead. no, go ahead. No, no, I was done. Uh, I don't. So she shoots once, and then basically panics and just shoots him a whole bunch of times. Right. Uh, I don't. I didn't find that unnatural, or um, not that I shoot a lot of people in my day to day life. But uh, the tell us well, we've more stories. <laughs> yeah. It seemed, well, it seemed like a, it goes back to my crime fighting days. Um, but That's crime like causing very, guy. You're doing it. You're doing it backward. <laughs> I only shoot the bad guys. Um, I'm doing it backwards. Um, it seems like a natural panic reaction to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I, I read it as. You know, she just kept pulling the trigger because uh, I don't know what's happening. Like just basically fugue state kind of thing. Uh, cleaning up was a bit quick. Can't tell if that was an editorial decision or what. Certainly makes sense. I didn't read that as. Um, I didn't read it as an evil intent so much as, oh my god, this is the worst situation ever. The cops aren't going to help me. Uh, i got to get out of here. And she doesn't tell anybody. And I think that is certainly reinforced. I can't remember if it's this episode or the beginning of the next one, um, where she's completely drinking her ass off. Oh, it's, well, she it's goes right back to her this. apartment, and the first thing she does yeah, is... Yeah, like, so it's right after this. Finds yeah, the and bottle. Has a, has a, like a like a shower, like guilt shower, and... Uh, well, it's <laughs> uh, like... Guilt, basically, guilt it's literally I know what you mean. Yep. Like getting like the blood off your hands. Right? Yep. It's a Pontius Pilate kind of thing. Like, you just definitely yep. want the blood off your hands. Uh, and she's clearly incredibly shaken by this. Um, one, oh, one other thing I want to say is that um, they have a lot of... You know, they have Rosaria Dawson and her and some other beautiful women in the show, and they don't, that is completely not sexualized at all. It's, 
that is a hard scene to watch because you can tell that she's just coming apart of the seams. Well, they didn't After. sexualize, oh, yeah. they didn't sexualize Deadberry Ann Wool there, but they they let her show some nip slips in the first episode when she takes her shirt off in front of Matt. Yeah, we commented on that. I yeah. think that was a mistake in the pilot, and yeah. they've moved past it. They've they've not done that anymore. But this was not that at all. This was like, uh, basically just trying to wash the guilt off her, which yeah. is obviously never going to yeah. come. And, and especially then we if see, you've never killed you know, anybody. And then with the, there's the, the 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 Vader vision of like Fisk showing up and presaging what happens with another one of my favorite characters, uh, just yes. going after her. Yeah. So, uh, to actually go back earlier in the first episode, something we didn't cover, um, I just thought of, I wanted to make sure we talked about the conversation with uh, Gao and Fisk in Mandarin, Mm -hmm. I thought was, uh, gave me a little respite from, uh, let's say, the Asian squeeze that this uh, series has put down that you know the reason why I give it like an a minus um, hmm. and um, I thought that that was delicately and respectfully done uh, I don't speak Mandarin uh, my, uh, myself and most of the time when uh, Chinese is spoken around me uh, it's in Cantonese that's what my family speaks Um and uh uh but it seemed authentic and it seemed like um D'Onofrio was doing a the best job he could uh because uh Mandarin or Cantonese or uh uh or uh, any dialect of Chinese is very very hard for people who've learned western languages as their primary language so i thought that was very respectful and it was also it, it, it was less about Gao being the stereotypical um, uh, sort of evil Chinese caricature. Like and a actually, black widow type. Well, <laughs> or like a mustache twirling, like Fu Manchu dra- kind of thing. Dra- yeah, yeah. That's, that's dragon, dragon lady. Less dragon dragon like, lady. Less like, that's it. Yeah, dra- yeah. yeah dragon lady. Uh, it was less about her being a dragon lady and, and more actually about her being concerned for Fisk in a really odd sort of way. And so I was like, okay, not completely awful. Because here's the thing I did before we sat down to do this show. I actually have in-laws upstairs that came over this afternoon uh, to eat and drink, which is why I'm also really nice and relaxed. Uh, I had a really good Zinfandel <laughs> earlier. And they wanted to know, you know, why I couldn't join them for the rest of the dinner. I said, well, I'm going to be, you know, downstairs in my office, locked away, going to Daredevil. And they were like, what's that? <laughs> and so now something that Guy, know, a guy knows this because we've talked about it in other shows. And it, we talked about it when we did uh, uh, the review cast for Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of my favorites. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, is uh, I'm about as white as they fucking come, you know. But I'm married into a, a Chinese family. My my wife was uh, born in Hong Kong. Um, uh, my sister-in-law is upstairs. Uh, was born in uh, mainland China in the old country before uh, it, it was more open and stuff like that. And so uh, I, I'm I am exposed to that a lot. 
I think it would be presumptuous of me uh, being a you know the oh, white guy to say that I understand yes. the point of view because I I hate yeah. dickish people who do that, but I know what some of the concerns are. Uh, you know, I've been around I've been around uh, enough and and listened especially to the newer generation, uh, my nieces and nephews, uh, my son. Uh, who's of mixed heritage, and you know what do they think? And so, I talked them into watching this. My wife hadn't watched it either. They're actually upstairs, probably in the second episode now. Now, what I Ooh, didn't wow. do is bring them on. <laughs> yeah, bring, bring them on. <laughs> I didn't tell them about my concern. The same hmm. way I punked them when. I forced them to watch uh, a Big Trouble Big in Trouble? China. I wow, didn't tell them Don. about my concern. And so I want to know what their reaction is later on. So I, I wish I could tell you all what that is now. but uh, And I'm concerned about, frankly, I, I feel kind of guilty for doing this to them. I told them it's a really good story, but I didn't tell them that, you know, you may get to the fourth episode and go, what the fuck? You know, because hmm. it's, it's pretty... It's almost 1940s style, you know, Chinese and Japanese caricatures. Bad, it really is. And well, and avoided some of it. Show. It feels like mm-hmm. in the same. Oh, way they that totally they did with, could with the Russians, right? Like the Russians could also be your stereotypical Russian mobsters, and to a certain extent, they are. But we actually get we get background on them, right? We get. We yeah. learn about them. Nobu, Nobu is nothing. Nobu is a cipher. I would say Gao at least gets interesting, as you Don mentioned, like the whole man, Mandarin and English back and forth with Fisk. I think at least develops her, and the fact that she is concerned and, and expresses some like you know actual caring about Wilson, I think sets her apart. But Nobu to me is just he's a cipher. Like he's a you know he's, especially when he ends up he's being not the even ninja, two dimensional. In. It's it's ridiculous. he's not even two dimensional. He's one dimensional. Yeah, and so I don't that, even know that why terrible. he wants that. Yeah, like he wants that block. Why? I right. Don't, he has I, I have, he has no motivation among the, yeah. uh, as zero, well, you know, none, especially none. compared. And to there, the other there's people. a lot of enigmatic stuff going on. I'm not entirely sure what Fisk wants, other than to raise Hell's Kitchen and then create something better. Uh, he should talk to Malcolm Merlin, who did a pretty <laughs> good, pretty good job, pretty effective job of that. Um, yeah, I, it, but I hadn't really been sensitive to that. I did read them as caricatures, but I had not been. I had not really considered that. Big Trouble may get away with it because everybody's a caricature. Even um, the hero is like a caricature. Oh, especially the, the Americanism, right? Yeah, the, the, the redneck, the white the guy. Character's name. I love right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're, they're, Jack. Burton, I do like that movie. Jack Burton thank is, you, is Jack Burton. a typical yeah. white Even the name, asshole. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, Jack. totally. Yeah, it's just perfect. So maybe that gets away with it, and this is maybe subtler playing on something that it, there's still. Elements and on that note, my my in-laws right? thought. My in-laws oh, thought sure. oh, Big yeah. Trouble in Little China was hysterical. They mm-hmm. they actually enjoyed it. They were but not even, offended well, by that. Everybody, everybody is the joke in that movie. Like, yeah, they, yeah. They, yeah. yeah. Even that first meeting, I, I forget if it's episode one or episode two, where they're, they're in the, the you know, incomplete uh, skyscraper and they're, that's they're having their meeting. One. And everyone's not speaking English. Like, that's kind of problematic that it's like, let us show you your villains. They were all foreign, right? And that is how they are basically defined. Exactly. Like that's that that's a problem. Um, well, except, except for Leland, who is just you know just uh, you well, know, that's he's a Republican. Too. You know, yeah. 
He's a repulsive. They killed yeah, so many of my favorite people. I'm, it's well. Oh, the other thing is having uh, anyway. Gao's workers, you know, blind themselves. And what do you do? Yeah, that's you make really them problematic. Foreign, yeah. so it's even more grotesque. I mean, especially and the, we haven't really talked about it, but that the scene but it's grotesque where Matt gets but there, acceptable. And they're almost and the 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 horde of you know of workers who are packing drugs turn on him, and it's like it's like a scene from a zombie movie, and it's I mean it's clearly intended to kind of evoke that feeling with the crowd of people uh, you know all rushing at him yeah. with the arms outstretched yeah. and it is like that's problematic that that's the group that you choose to basically totally dehumanize right as your as your villains right yes. because you're, at that point you're saying that they are sub that well and, and you know we and are, i didn't see it until then i didn't see it and i tried i tried to see it until now i've been listening mm-hmm. and now i see it as a the bigger problem which is We've completely dehumanized these people. Now, they were doing this to earn money in some capacity. They willfully chose to do it. But yeah, to just have Madame Gal kind of point out Matt, and then they all just, uh, you know, come after him, it, it really it, it is kind of gross. So yeah. there's a few things that say and The question that. you have a- to ask yourself is, would you do that with white people? Right. Well, that, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but A, are they there as the result of the human trafficking we saw in the first episode? Not I, clear, because not that clear. human trafficking was young women. They would seem like a prostitution thing to me. Which is also than, confusing. those the Russians. Like, that's that's not how, human trafficking does not export people from America. No. You know, like that's. Oh yeah, that, they were leaving, right? Yeah, you know, that was. That yeah. didn't really make any sense. Um, right. That was, so that, that was to me just was arbitrary, like, a, like crack some heads. I kind of forgot you know. about that, because. So much other stuff does kind of fit together and feels, you know, gritty and real. But that part, like, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. That's not... Yeah, that seemed like a one-off adventure. Yeah. Um, not that there's anything adventurous about human trafficking. Do not adventure in, in the world of human trafficking. You, you stepped in um, a bucket of shit again, guy. Well, that's what I do, that's what I do best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least I warn people, like, when I do it, I just I warn people away. Um, if maybe they'd been asked to blind themselves in order to come to the new world, like the the America, like shiny, and there whatever. may be something. Maybe I, that would be something. I've maybe, got a lot like, of ideas, but she doesn't even say that because yeah. it's it's weird. Like, and it, I've got ideas about who Madame Gao will be and what her ah, bigger picture let's agenda. Hear, is. Let's hear what your yeah. ideas and are I, and see if they and line I think up she's going to come back around. So. Um, in Iron Fist, which I've read, sorry, guy, instead of Daredevil, <laughs> I had a choice, and I chose the path less taken, the Iron Fist path. But um, in this particular case, Tony, it's going to work to our advantage. That's is, why you're my sleeper set. I'm working the yeah. long game. That's how I do it. So, in especially in some of the Iron Fist that I've read, the uh, there's uh, the Matt Fraction and Ed Brubaker um, Iron Fist is really great. I, I enjoy it. There's mm-hmm. this whole idea that seconded. Um, Iron Fist is from uh, this mystical city, and that there are several mystical cities that are kind of in competition with each other. And for, yeah, and they're vying for power. One okay, of the now wait, cities. wait, wait. Before you go any further, yeah, Madam, I, I as I was watching Twelve tonight, mm-hmm. and Madam Gal says, yeah. "I am, I am not going to China. It's further yes. away, further. much further." Yeah. Which, which I think that she theory. means Kunlun, right? Yeah, uh, is that where she would be from, or? I, that, you that's, think she's uh, yeah the mystery well, her name but, Mother Crane yeah I'll, I'll, yeah, 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 yeah exactly on this. Yeah. I read it as like some well, mysterious place I forget the forget. other cities Kunlun is where uh, is that where Iron Fist is from I, I get I get my mystical yes. cities wrong so well it she turns gave... out they're they're hard to map because they don't yeah. have... 
And she they don't exist. <laughs> Quinn Z is where Crane Mother is from. Okay. If that's where in the in the yeah. comics, there is a that's character the other called place Crane Mother be. who is specifically she, like basically <laughs> kind of the patron of Silver Serpent or, or sorry Steel Serpent, which is how she's marketing her drug. Strangely, right with the oh, uh, with the symbol that, that he See, the steals. That's Serpent where has. I think he's right. He he picked yeah. up on. It took me the longest time to put that together. I don't know why. And I here, look that at early. this. She gave look him the one-inch punch yep. and pushed, and and he couldn't yep. even get up. Yeah. And right. He was, yeah. So I. So I think we may see. So Tony, I, I totally retract making fun of you for reading. <laughs> That's right. Iron Fist. <laughs> well, guys, yeah, you, you if you haven't me. read you, the you Fraction and Brubaker Run, it is actually quite good. Yeah, you should in, read in some ways. I've, I've heard the that. The Fraction I've, Run yeah. is a precursor yeah. to Now who's Hawkeye. wrong, guy? You're wrong. That's yeah. it. But I'm, I'm, I'm always <laughs> but, wrong. That's part of my charm. But it's you okay. haven't gotten to read those it. books yet, and they're great. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to your experience that I can never have again because I've already read those books. So the other, I also wondered if that tied back in with Nobu had that, like, fixation on that block and he had that block yeah. labeled as black sky which was also the name of his yes. secret weapon child thing and i i don't yeah. know if that ties into the mystic cities or not i don't know enough about the hand but in the mystic cities there's all this stuff about like locations that connect the different places being really important um and there's a whole uh, plot in one of the Iron Fist comics about somebody who's building a connection to one of the Mystic Cities that will have, you know, in on our world, which will have devastating effects because, like, you know, when you open up that portal, it's it's bad for everywhere around it. So I wondered if like that specific location had like kind oh, of celestial. Oh, that's importance. great. That's great. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know week, if that Merlin, Tony, and I had no idea what the hell was going. And on. I was to, to revisit some of the stuff that we've talked. I did find episode nine, um, which we you guys have already talked about on the podcast. Like that is also the the one that's kind of really problematic where because the whole episode is basically about will matt kill fisk or not right and him grappling with that and but nobu gets killed so it's it really kind of undercuts that whole message that it's the whole thing about will i will i take a life or not but i killed this other guy who's not the main guy last week on the show do you think matt tried to kill nobu no, I, mean, did. I was thought a, it was an accident. It was a, it was an accident. Was it? You know, yeah, you can't. You know, if you're go back and play, play it, it's an accident. But he has no angst. He has no guilt about it. Yes, that's, that's what it's. It, it's like, it's like so uh, Asian the, lives he, 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 don't he, he, matter. You know? you know, it's that he, horrible ouch, line, ouch, like ouch. you know, like life is cheap, right, and, and plentiful in the you know, in the Orient from the the vietnam propaganda that they they use for like conditioning american soldiers right i mean it's exactly exactly and and even to go even further it's like we had when they were blowing up the buildings it's like they had you know asian suicide bombers right so there are these themes that are i'm I'm assuming they're carrying over from you know dated things in the comics but it's problematic that they're just pushing them forward right yeah Yeah. and i i after especially the absolute uh, and I'm still reeling from it. The absolutely stellar Agents of Shield finale this mm. week. Holy fuck! Uh, I and, and the diversity. Well, we've been waiting for it. What all year? Yeah, but the diversity they they get in that show and thoughtfulness without mm-hmm. being without being heavy handed about oh I'm being diverse. You know, aren't I so actualized? They. It's just like a natural, organic thing in the show. Daredevil disappointed me by being so clumsy. Not only clumsy, but just lazy Mm. with these stereotypes. 
And that's why, you know, is, I can't so give it the weird. highest mark. Yeah, and I think that's so weird because if you compare uh, if you compare the characterization of Fisk, there's actually far more depth to this villain than in pretty much any other Marvel story. Like, right. the, you Absolutely. know, you, the, none of the other Marvel villains have any depth other than, or, or any real well, sort well, of... Well, other than Loki, 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 Loki kill them Loki. off every goddamn yeah, movie. <laughs> maybe they're, but, even the heroes have nowhere near as fleshed out oh absolutely i'll agree with that 110 right. percent. And, and the fact that they do that they then are like okay we've really focused all this attention the rest of it they sort of brush off and like let's just use lazy stereotypes as we're saying is is unfortunate because it's like you guys have shown that you can clearly do a good job humanizing a villain and turning them into someone that we're sympathetic with and yet at the same time you also just sort of got lazy and went back to a crutch on all these that, that is potentially offensive so yeah. that's definitely an, a, a it's a little it's a little eye rolling at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's the I, way I they break everything down into like there's Russians, there's the, the Chinese, yeah. mom, like the but, like the Japanese and yeah. But still, I just recommended 2 hours ago to my wife and my brother and sister-in-law, <laughs> none of whom are born in this country. You really have to watch Daredevil. You know, cuz I'm a yeah. sick bastard. So, <laughs> so let's hear what they have to say. You know what? Uh if I, I live through the, it, the actor that's paying uh the paying playing uh, ben Urich is a better Ben Urich than I have ever seen in any comic. He is, does an amazing job. I uh, really like him. I was rooting and for they him killed him off. Out. They killed him. I know. Him. I know. I'm so, so I'm so ben depressed Urich about that. And, so and sorry, I call him out in tangent to that, just because if anybody hasn't read the comics, the, the characters are like an old white grizzled reporter guy, like a like a, a wood. What's his name? Wood, Woodstein? Woodstein? <laughs> Woodstein? Oh, you're, not from, you're not from this country, clearly. <laughs> but, you know, they, they why were the, why were the Canadians a faction in Wilson Fisk's little yeah, cabal? Yeah, they should. They <laughs> should, eh? We have cornered the maple syrup trade. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was that, like, multi-million dollar Canadian maple syrup heist. The other I, know, I know, I know. We all know. But we all know. Here's That's the thing you have to remember. We're all involved. We're all involved. Anyway, he does a tremendous job, and I can't imagine... That character being played by anybody else, he Vondi nails Curtis it, Hall. and they nailed the the newsroom, the way that it's kind of. Oh, it felt it did feel at times like a little bit of a knockoff of the the Wire season five, yeah. <laughs> little what? bit. But ah, I think slightly. They do I can tell you what's I think they not do a realistic. Job than the Wire season five, which I yeah, don't I, like. I would I so, would agree with that. I, in I some, can tell you what's not senses. realistic about the newsroom mm-hmm. is reporters office in their own offices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I worked, in the news- I worked in newspapers for years, so reporters don't get their own offices. So, but right. yeah. here's the yeah. thing that... Well, he's that, a star reporter, right, yeah. is the concept, and he's a star reporter, and the industry's tanking. Yeah. And his editor, I love that they make his editor not the bad guy. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, actually really... Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't, maybe that's well, a don't minor give it away, spoiler. but yeah. <laughs> well, I can't remember. Maybe that's revealed in... 13, I, I don't recall if that's completely flushed. Mm-hmm. No. It, it, anyway, whatever. They, they he's, do. He's, he's not. He's yeah. not the bad guy. But here's the thing about, and I'm so glad they cast Vondi Curtis Hall because I've always loved his work. And you're right. He's he's, he's just got yeah. grizzled written on his face. Uh, and the actress oh, yeah. he cast his wife is great. But here's the the thing: they flipped him to being black without letting him be black. Yeah, uh, Do you understand what I mean? He's just a guy, right? Um, like, doesn't it doesn't really matter that yeah, he's, I don't that know he's, how that he's I don't get the that is not, thing. Yeah. It's not a salient. It's not a salient detail of his character, right? right. I, I think, and that's is, both a good fine. thing, but it's also 
depending on how you took to, uh, uh, you talk to an Af- African American about that, that can also be an annoying thing. So, as white people, once again, we have to be really careful <laughs> about being t- <laughs> about that kind of thing. Uh, you see okay, what I mean? I don't know. He's just a, he seems like a cool character, and the character itself, uh, like as distinct from its representation in the comics or, or the show uh didn't to me have any connotation of a particular ethnic right, background yeah. exactly uh, I agree. and the fact so the fact that they ran with that actor i think is great because they did a tremendous job with it it's like putting um idris elba in as what's his name in thor yeah heimdall. yeah yeah i, I agree oh, heimdall like yeah. But but the Guess thing what? is, they killed him off. Idris Elba in anything. Put him in, in. Put him in. Put him in my breakfast cereal. It'll make my breakfast cereal better. Idris Elba is just awesome. So Idris Elba. And I, I, I think that. Yeah. No. I think, Why I think is there a really, movie with they, twelve they CGI Idris Elba's just hanging out? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll pay. I'll pay to go see that. I would. Say I that. would pay to go, yeah. at least once, yeah. if not twice. Yeah. Probably twice. Yeah. You know. Um, I just think they did. They nailed the casting on this, and they've nailed the casting on a lot of things, including Wilson Fisk, who is stunning. Often in the comics, a bit of a caricature, mm-hmm. uh, and is a, an actual character in in this show. Yeah, I completely you know, agree. But, guy. Completely you, agree. You know, you you brought this up, Don, and, and we've been pushing into it. I, you know, now that he's dead, I, where does that leave? The you know essentially the message because he was just about to it looked like start a blog in Microsoft Word I, I don't know how that works but you know well um, he said he didn't understand the internet so that's a that's just realism yeah, that right fine. there he was probably gonna he was probably gonna just set up a Squarespace site this episode brought to you yeah. by Squarespace <laughs> if they're if, well if they're gonna sponsor it we, nice we, I want to see pay I want to see money coming out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but but seriously, I, but you know, but how in season two, how is the public going to be made aware of what what's happened? Obviously, Fisk is in jail, but still, the story it feels like they still need that 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 character to kind of at least give some balance. Yeah, this seems like it, a hard. Day here's the thing: is that everybody needs to keep in mind it for season two. Is and it's very clear from the early interviews with Drew Goddard that he had no idea what the hell he was going to do with season two. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to create a really good Daredevil. Now, uh, you know that said, uh, the smarter minds uh, at uh, Marvel, um, who oversee the the connections of everything else, they probably thought about that. Uh, a little, uh, a little bit more, but um, I'm not sure well, when we'll see Electra season two. Ninja thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, well, they drop an Electra reference too in the Nelson versus yeah. Murdoch, where he talks right. about the Greek girl right. that, he, that he had a thing for, which yeah. I assumed was <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I also don't know whether we're going to see Defenders first or Daredevil season two. You know, are we going to see Luke Cage? Uh, Next, you know who's next. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to go. My understanding, and Dan, maybe you know more, uh, is that we're going to see Jessica Jones. Woman, Jessica Jones next, and yeah, Luke Cage is going to be a character in there. Sorry, Jessica Jones. Yes, uh, and Luke Cage is going to be a character in that. 
and then spin off out of it. That's my understanding. Yes, and then Iron, Iron and then Fist is Iron last, Fist last, Defenders afterwards. Yeah. But Daredevil so, 2 So is, two could the question is, is Rosaria Dawson, Luke Night Cage. Nurse, is she going to be in Jessica Jones she or is, Luke her, her contract, I think, now opens her up to be in any of those, uh, I think. Yeah. And she is associated, mm-hmm. I believe, with Luke Cage more strongly in, in some of the yeah. comic books, right? She's such they a actually, great character. They, they, yeah. they did a tremendous job. Like, in the very first episode that we're talking about, uh, 10, uh, she doesn't appear. She appears near the end, I think. But um, yeah. um, Poggy says that he called her over to patch Matt up. That's yeah, they, they allied and, that, which kind of sucks. Sorry? I, I didn't like that they didn't show that. I mean, oh, that, that I was, was fine that they didn't show yeah. it because what I liked is like just the throwaway line of like uh, she didn't tell Foggy anything. <laughs> she, yeah, she just she wouldn't talk about anything. She just patched him up, and then and I think my com- they have like an actual Fen moment where he's like, "She seems nice." Like, yeah, like he he I- just drops being angry for like a split second, and it's like she seems like a nice person. Yeah. But it is disappointing in some ways because we haven't seen her interact basically with anybody else on the show other than Matt. Oh, and so yeah, in some yeah, ways no, to, I mean, to like cut her out and like, cause of course that, that made perfect logical sense. And I'm glad they at least acknowledge that like, yeah, fuck, he's not sitting there stitching that up all by himself, yeah. but well, it was a shame just because she's like, I, I agree. She's really great in the show and I'd like to see more of her, but maybe there was a contractual reason or just a space reason that they couldn't. I think that. they wanted that, that room to be basically a bottle episode kind of thing. Yes. Like, I think that's purely foggy and Matt and that's it just to keep the, uh, the tension ramped up. Well, and you bring up an interesting point as well. It's like with the whole, like, with Claire and and Matt. But, you know, with the whole Karen killing Wesley, that sends her kind of down a spiral that in the comics, you know, she does turn to drugs. And she goes completely um, into, you know, just a heroin addiction and whatnot. And... Matt was always in love with her, which it, it just it, I can't figure out how this is gonna, this all plays out because I could see foggy with with Karen at times, and then I I just I I, I have a hard time figuring out Matt has to have a romantic you know connection at some point and where that seems to where where that's going to happen yeah well if the show the, right now it seems like a triangle to me yeah. right like there's if it was the Buggy cw likes karen karen is yeah. buddies with Buggy and karen <laughs> oh, oh i want to i want to hear this if it was the cw thing yeah, if CW. it was the cw karen and matt would work things out and finally get together and then electra would show up is what would happen <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, yeah. so here's the thing, and you got to be careful about reading too much into the history of the comics, too, because as we've seen, you know, to, to reference Arrow. the CW and Arrow, <laughs> they specifically, it seems like, have diverged from the comics continuity because the actress playing the traditional love interest in the main character did not have as good chemistry. So, but it is clear that there is like, yeah, Karen does seem to be, there's a lot of indications that Karen is clearly has a has a thing for Matt. Matt doesn't seem to like notice at all. He seems totally at all to it. Yeah. Which is weird he's, for a guy who is usually very tuned in to like, yeah. you know, he's totally blind to the situation. Like that. <laughs> well, uh, not, oh. not to get ahead of ourselves here because we're not talking about 13, but they do hint at the relationship but between her and Matt at the end yes. of 13. Yeah. And there is, it's really there is some softness. Moment, and the, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's like last 30 seconds almost. Uh, but, but there is something there. Did you um, read that as a romantic thing? I just read it as a. 
like friendship thing? through light kind of thing. And yeah, well, well, I maybe, actually I, maybe I'm reading just into a human it thing. In the like, comics, yeah. By the way, you know, uh, guy, you did, were you the one who said you were like stunned at how good the casting was here? I, I'm not sure if everybody yeah. realizes that this, but Charlie Cox, who, who was a relative uh, unknown, is British. He's not an yeah, American. I knew him yeah. from uh, Stardust. I know him yeah. from Boardwalk Empire. He plays like an IRA, yeah. IRA guy in Boardwalk Empire. So yeah. his, his job is basically to be super hot, and then, spoiler, he gets killed. So, yeah. <laughs> like everybody on that he, show. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not spoiling anything. He his he looks amazing. He uh, like we see him with his shirt off, and and this is not even a, I'm not even going a sexual thing here, but he looks like he could be doing what he does on the show as Daredevil. Like, just his physicality, the way he moves, yeah. like the, the the way he's built, it looks perfect. Same thing with... Although um, they do a... Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Alfonso, the uh, the guy who plays Fisk. Oh, oh D'Onofrio. 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 Thank you. Alfonso, yeah, like, he's whatever, just... You know. <laughs> well, he's... I had to cut whatever. That's he's not huge. Yeah. He, like, he's huge. He looks like a giant, dangerous man like and that's helped I, I, by the fact they put him up against smaller actors yeah. i think for the yeah. most part and they probably shoot him well, but he is i mean he is also a they also put him in guy. very tight yeah, yeah, clothing. this is what i mean about casting being perfect like it's like they didn't cast daredevil yeah, as they didn't cast like lou ferrigno as daredevil didn't do it <laughs> they had like a guy that looks like he just runs marathons all day like yeah. and he looks like a lawyer uh, like yeah. when he's in a suit he looks yeah. Totally. Like a yeah, normal that's the thing is, yeah. guy. That's I think the they cast Barry freaky, Allen right? well like, on The yeah. Flash, too, because we keep bringing it up. Barry yeah. Allen, perfect. Barry perfect Allen looks like he works in a lab and is not a model, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So these, these and I know we're jumping universes here, but uh, I, I think for The Flash, especially, uh, The Flash, whatever, Daredevil. <laughs> red suits. I get confused by red. Um, they all move As, as most Canadians do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of red suits, you don't, you don't, you don't, we, we haven't still, by the 12th, we haven't seen the red suit yet. Don, but this we, is interesting no. because yeah. but we, we get what we are it. starting to see, and I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring two things up. <laughs> One is what had always intrigued me about Daredevil as a boy, and even now, is his physicality on top of buildings and we have right. not we haven't gotten there yet except for episode 12 where you see Matt doing a lot more jumping and daredevilish um type of maneuvers Parkour. off of buildings yeah it yeah was I, awesome I, I was disappointed about that until the 12th episode and i was like okay this this seems a little bit more like what i remember as a kid and the other exactly. thing is the stuff in the gym if if you read the comics, like when I was uh, when I was a kid, and especially when Gene Colan got uh, a hold of uh, pencils for Daredevil, you know he just totally made Daredevil look like an Olympic gymnast. Which, unfortunately, right. as buff as Charlie Cox is, he does not look quite like an Olympic gymnast. Close, but not quite. But we don't see yeah. the bouncing up and down and all the crazy zigzagging back and forth to his credit ben affleck actually did a, a better job projecting that kind of thing in hmm. the poorly uh received film from de- uh over a decade ago uh, and they had CG some double uh no i i don't mean when he was in the suit when they they had some of the dark workout scenes i, I thought that was gotcha. actually, uh, i i thought that was pretty good there was probably another real double yeah. there doing that 
But okay. I was kind of. Do you get an angry dis- email from me at two o'clock in the morning? That's because <laughs> I didn't watch that. Uh, Just don't watch so, the follow up Electra. So, so should, yeah. I, should I ignore that like the other angry emails I get at two o'clock? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so, you don't have a filter set up for guy emails that are sent yeah, after yeah, midnight? Well, it's, it's funny because um, most people you it just get. It usually gets uh, me in public on Twitter. I mean, I, I don't know what. Yeah. Well, you know, there's that. There's the, you know, the well known important flag. I just send like a little whiskey glass to him just to yeah, know that like I'm a little in the bag and I'm very angry at you right now. <laughs> that's that's like you baseline know, guy English. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Here, here's the thing: is I did I, I worked on a web browsers for over 15 years. There is very little that anybody can ever say to me to insult <laughs> me that has not been said to me already. When, when people know what I do, so you, you know most of the shit. I just I never even think about it. <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> it's really Just hard to get a rise out, out of me. Do not send Don angry emails. Oh, yeah. Do not engage in human trafficking and oh, don't. Yeah. Basically, anything I suggest, do not do that. <laughs> Everything else is fine. But anyway, uh, back to the physicality. I, I, I don't know if I you heard this, but one thing I was pointing out that uh, I really liked, even though we haven't seen the suit, is uh, I love whoever the costume designer uh, on this was for very smartly. <laughs> on Vincent D'Onofrio making everything the man wore one size too small because that's the kingpin, right? He's bulging yep. out of every piece of clothing he puts on. Uh, I also, yet he's very stylish. Right. I also like what they uh, did with Eldon Henson. You know, Foggy's supposed to be a dumpy guy, but they didn't make it cartoony. Uh, I love the way they dressed Vondi Curtis Hall because, you know, I worked in the newspaper business and he actually looks like a lot of the older reporters. You know, the the first time he shows up talking with the mob guy, I'm like, not knowing even who the character was at that point, I was like, he's clearly a reporter. Exactly. Checked shirt and the tie. That's why he reads so much like Ben Urich to me because the way Ben Urich is rendered in the comics is just stereotypical reporter guy. Like, yeah, to- totally, like, totally. Part of his hand involves a notebook, like mm-hmm. just open all the time. So. But there was one piece of costuming I didn't like that didn't make sense to me. Although I like it that it looks cool, but before Daredevil gets his suit in 13 and he's wearing that hood, why the fuck does he cover up his ears with that sash? <laughs> Covering up his eyes, I, I can see, but why do you cover up your ears, Matt? Al- Although I wondered why nobody like that he dealt with ever, ever wondered at all how this guy could see out of that. Like, nobody blinks of that the whole, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's running around with, like, a thing over his eyes. How the hell can he see? Because, well, well, yeah, Uric then you'd be like, oh. Uric asked that question in, uh, what was it, uh, I think it was nine? Because he was looking mm. at him, like, kind of cockeyed, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was it. That that was the only thing. But I thought it was weird from the first episode. It bugged me onward. Why is he covering up his ears? He's that ah, good. He can yeah. hear that well. Yeah. The, you know, and then we get into um, Mr. Melvin Potter. And I looked at that. Now, now looking at it twice with, with his interactions with Melvin. And as soon as um, Matt is like in Melvin's domain and he jump and he kind of comes down um after getting in you can see very off to the side the gladiator uniform yes. that uh, he's working on 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I ne- didn't see that before. I, cause I saw the poster for the gladiator in, in, on his back wall. But mm. that character is such a weird kind of dunsky. And yeah. so, why did they like, do that? I don't know. So that bugged you too, huh? Oh, it bugged me crazy because it's like, wait a minute. Like, he's acting like just a baby now. Like, it just yeah, didn't I, make any sense. It didn't occur to me because I was marathoning the last. I, I don't even think I, I went pee uh, during the last three or four. Uh, I was marathoning it, and it didn't occur to me that he was the gladiator. Until after I'd finished the whole series, I had I went back like you did and went because I didn't put the name together, you know. Yeah, uh, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that's not the the, the gladiator wasn't a doofus. He wasn't like uh, you know the. It's almost like emotionally and mentally immature, uh, or Very an, idiot, much so. an idiot savant is the way uh, they portrayed him. Good actor, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. He gets a lot of these heavy roles, but he, he's actually a good actor. But I don't think this was his choice. I think it was the writers and the producers' choices, obviously. Yeah, so, like, you want it, me to make you a uniform? Yeah, it kind of feels like their inclusion of the gladiator was just kind of like this little like uh, Easter egg, and not yeah for the fanboys, not something that they can kind of go back to in a way that would be meaningful, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Which it, makes me I, sad. Yeah. I mean, I but guess Marvel, it, it's kind of unfortunate that, I mean, I guess the, you know, that that was their choice for somebody who would kind of be willing to betray this trust, I guess. But it's yeah. it's a little, I guess it's a little lazy as an idea, right? Yeah. Well, again, you know, this is, uh, this is why, it, you know, it doesn't get an A, uh, little reasons like that. But it's, it's still a damn good A minus, uh, despite my reservations. I, I do like. I gave it five did, stars on Netflix. So what do yeah, I? Yeah, well, how, how can you not? But like, but I do like how you know because I was, you know, I wanted to see the red suit, but I was scared of how they were going to portray it. I told Tony before I'd even thought about this. You were upset. The, you were. In I, a state I of was because yeah. <laughs> I didn't want. I, I was. I, I didn't know what, how the black suit was going to feel to me, and I just. I was so scared that they were going to do a super disservice and it was just going to be like, Daredevil can never be anything good because Affleck screwed it up and they're going to screw it up again and I'm and I, I, can't, I can't go on like this. And the fact that they have gone so slow burn on what, on becoming Daredevil is so awesome. Like instead of giving an origin episode... We're given like this slow burn origin <laughs> an, season. Yeah, it's an origin series. Yeah, it's great. I, I was actually hoping that they would do the original uh, Bill Everett suit. You know, the uh, the red and the yellow, yellow suit. One? <laughs> yeah, because uh, <coughs> I, I don't know. I just I, I just always thought that looked really hip. I wasn't well, the, the, that, the Netflix, that was just me, like, but. The Netflix image for Daredevil, it flipped at a gave certain point, and it kind of gave it away by having the suit that, you know... I commented that yeah, when I was last on, yeah. that I had that issue. The yellow and black makes sense in the... Um, he explains that the black parts of the suit are basically bulletproof, and the other ones are knife... maybe knife-proof, if you're maybe lucky. The red, the red yeah. and the black on his... 
Yeah, well, that's sorry. That's what he says about the current suit, but the mm-hmm. yellow and the black would have made more sense. That's, if that's what, Melvin, that's what like Melvin that. says in episode 13, right? Yeah, yeah I had trouble yeah. telling the difference between the red and black parts just because the, the light is well, not great. But. Yeah, well, this the other is, thing this is, is why I, don't I, think I told Dan to that I. I told Dan I did, I did you know I was like real cranky last week I didn't I didn't want to do episode thirteen because it has the worst goddamn fight scene of the entire series of it Jesus yes I I would actually agree with that but that's <laughs> another episode <laughs> yeah how yeah, could you see it because it was photographed far. so bad <laughs> ah God sorry I'll take my meds. well because the thing is the, the thing is you 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 and I'm, I'm not going to speak to thirteen at all. But you have these, I mean, really epic fight scenes, and it's it's just been building and building, and we see Matt doing so well. And so it's almost like, oh, why? You know, you've, exactly. got, now, you've got everything put together. Why do that? Yeah. I, I Yes, completely agree. Right. Give that I just, a star. You know, I, I knew the problematics of having an entirely red suit. <laughs> It would just look. You can't do that on and and film it correctly. You know what you can draw is not what you can like um, photograph. And so I'm willing to accept that the the suit that we may or may not see in the next episode. I, I still have I have I have issues, but I can't bring them up now. Well, they've changed the arrow costume a few times, uh, mostly for the worst, in my opinion. I, but whatever. Well, mm. Arrow um, doesn't look Arrow doesn't look like the Green Arrow that I remember as a kid back from the. No, 60s but when he started 70s. out, he was like, yeah, he was kind of in more raggy kind of stuff, which yeah. I someday, like. someday they're going to yeah. get him the Robin Hood hat, though. That's what I keep saying. Uh, it's okay. going to happen. I, it's going to yeah, happen. I hope they don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I want to see Arrow Daredevil. and Lynn. <clears throat> Daredevil. Uh, so the, uh, I think Dan, you said in the beginning, this ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> were probably the meatiest portions of the series, really, because it's so many emotional punches. Um, we haven't talked much about Fisk and his interactions with Vanessa. Did anybody notice when she finally wakes up, I think in 11, and she crosses over to the dark side? And yeah, she's definitely like way down with, with getting evil. Yeah. Was that cool or what? She was just, yeah, it was great, but I don't. Did she cross over or did she, yeah, I, yeah, I don't she, take her for a fool. Like I'm pretty sure she knew that she was getting in with some pretty bad crowd kind of thing. Well, yeah, she tells Fisk I, that in the hospital bed. She knew what she was getting into, and she said, right. "You know, you're going to make him pay, right? Essentially, for well, what they I did." Think that will be, you know, not to again, not to veer, veer too much in the thirteen, but I think that her. Her role in the second season could potentially be very interesting as a result of that. Well, here's my theory: is that we will not see the kingpin in the second season. Hmm. And here's why: if you would do maybe in cameo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very small. Because how could you do something that good with that character again? You're not going to develop uh, a villain to that depth. That same villain again uh, in a second well, season. Yeah, because because this whole season has been almost like a departed, where you have two protagonists <laughs> going going. <laughs> that's at a the same really time. good analogy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. 
I, and that's what I mean. That's what the I hard agree. Part, yeah, yeah. People can't get with the with the Departed. That's why there was so much polarization on is it a good or bad movie? Because you're not used to seeing two like two protagonists at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, well, I I don't I can't see that they would do Fisk again. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe he breaks out of jail at the end of two. I don't think he even gets to jail. Frankly. Ooh. He's, isn't he in? Jail? Yeah, he's. Well, we well, don't know that. Sorry, no, sorry. Like, we're, we've, we've got to wait for a long time until he gets convicted, and they, like they they set it up in the office where they're like. I, I think it would be more interesting to see a new a new angle. So I feel like. Oh yeah, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be around. I think likely it. Well, not likely. Maybe it will tie into the other properties mm-hmm. that they're doing. So more of this. Uh, this Black is Marvel, Sky of course of thing. it will. Yeah. If, yeah. if yeah, anybody like, has, well, I don't mean just Marvel, but Netflix in specific. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I see what you mean. Like, no, like a tighter I, integration I, with their if stuff. If only yeah. our own government was as coordinated as Marvel. That's what <laughs> I always think of. <laughs> that might be scary, dude. That might be. That's scary. just a dictatorship, Don. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> can I get some shit done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can all move to Canada. Yeah, um, uh, we'll check in with you after Ant Man. See how you feel. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean that's what I was saying. That I, I'm not sure if Drew Goddard, you know, because he was so focused on this season, whether he's got the grand plan. But I, uh, I'm sure uh, the big minds at uh, at Marvel do. Yeah, well, I'm, this was. I think this was probably a bigger hit than they expected. Uh, oh, certainly without it was a better doubt. than I expected. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, without a doubt, they had no idea mm-hmm. this was going to work like this. No, so does like has Netflix re- released any numbers or anything? I don't. Do they ever they release dick? I think that's I mean, part of their their that they don't have to, so they don't. I had well, heard uh, four also, million. I can respect that. Goddard is, I believe, no longer actually really involved in it. He because uh, Stephen Denight took over, and then they announced, I think, that Doug Petrie and someone else would be the EPs for the next. Marco Ramirez will take over as showrunners for the show's second season. So. Goddard's like acting as a consultant, but I don't think he's actually hugely hmm. involved in the day to day. He left pretty early. He wrote the first couple episodes, I think, but he did not. That was pretty much it. Like so he, was, well, he established. So the Stephen has denied who did it, yeah. right? Denied did most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Was that because? Okay. Do you know what the backstory was at confl- uh, conflicts? Because I assumed that Goddard and Denight got along. Because they yeah, they worked they together both, before. They worked together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he had other stuff to do or what. I'm not sure why. Hmm. Oh, he's oh he's doing a movie. He's doing because he's supposed to be developing Sinister Six for Sony. Oof! Ouch. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I wish you the best of luck with that. But that <laughs> all right, let good. me let me give you let me give you a little a little. Uh, That's a real downer break. from Cabin in the Woods, which is the last. But film here's the did, here's right? the here's the the numbers. Um, Netflix did release oh, okay. uh, information, which was. Uh, an estimated 10.7% of um, the sampling of net- Netflix subscribers had watched um, Daredevil within the 11 days of the premiere. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So how does that compare the, uh, to Those say, are statistics just for yeah. fun. Because without anything to compare it to, that means nothing. Yeah, what does it well, compare to? Of, of what number? <laughs> it was also the second highest pirated show a week after launch. That's a good thing. Oh, Which, <laughs> now that now that's a real statistic. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, like I, that in I Game of Thrones. That. I don't understand why you would pirate Daredevil. 
if because you don't subscribe you don't to Netflix. Have basically. a Netflix yeah. subscription. Duh. Yeah. Jesus. Who well, doesn't have a Netflix subscription anymore? Yeah. Hey, well, you know what? No, I do know one. No. I do know one reason, and that is to, that's to travel abo- abroad. If you want to travel abroad, that's right. Boys, boys, boys. Take it from an old ripper and transcoder. That's not the only reason you pirate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not I just to watch it because it's one of our mutual friends actually did that. So. Um. But yeah, no, having them so you can watch them offline is good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. posterity, posterity, exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I can't say for for sure, but I know <laughs> that some people may have needed some in order to maybe catch up while they were traveling. So yeah. it possibly, <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, maybe <laughs> flying over the Atlantic. Yeah, we don't know, but we don't know. I, we I, have no we idea. don't know. Right. All right. How could uh, we there, possibly maybe there was an Emerald Mose. Isle involved? Mose. We don't know. As your, we have as your no avocado, idea. I encourage you to cease this <laughs> Thank you for being my avocado. Um, oh, and I, 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 will, uh, I will plead the fifth, yeah. as, as my avocado would yeah. have me do. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, if I did know somebody who'd done that, I would think that they're nice guys, and you know, <laughs> probably not, you know, yeah, probably not jerks. Right? Maybe, maybe jerks. you know, maybe enemies are friends, and friends are enemies. Who knows? Right. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. who knows? Yeah. All right. Um, so, do we, where do we get to? Did we actually popular... recap twelve yet, or what? Oh, well, that's a good question. Well, let's just, <laughs> let me look and see. Off we the rails, so. Yeah, we did, but. Yeah. Um, let me just see here. Uh, some of the bigger pieces of, <sighs> okay, we do have, is it one last time Gal is talking to Fisk or no, she, no, Owsley. she's talking to Owsley. She's talking that's Owsley. right. And she 12. basically says the heroin trade was just an ends to a means and she's jumping ship and going over to Kung Lao territory. Mm-hmm. Well, he thinks she's going to China, and she says much farther away. Much which farther, that's yeah. why I said, "Well, kind of long, a considerable right? distance." Yeah, consider. Yeah, thank you very much. Considerable distance. Yeah. Which I, uh, just great. That's what I, I like that character a lot. You, I I do agree with you, Don. That there's a little bit of the mystic Asian thing going on. The it dragon is, lady thing is problematic. It, it is. It is true. But uh, I like that Bisk is kind of. Uh, always shows her respect, and I like their interactions where they um, uh, change languages depending on mm-hmm. how they're positioning each other in terms of that uh, respect dynamic. I have to say, having read the comics, I always I I kind of giggle every time I see Owsley on the screen because in the comics he is like an owl themed villain, and I think the first appearance of him I saw he was like like he's interrogating someone, and he literally because he's an owl themed villain like eats a live rat. <laughs> So I always think of that whenever he's there, like wearing his nice suit and talking about financial land. And I'm just like, you know, maybe someday you're going to have to eat a live rat. So, uh, you know, invest wisely. Um, well, not, not to, not to yeah. spoiler for 13, but I thought I, – I just expected when he, he fi- had his final con- confrontation with Fisk that he would fly off. Because that's the owl superpower, right? Yeah. Who me? Woo. Uh, yeah, exactly. So if they're, I thought, I thought uh, finally they're making a Bob different Gun. show. Thankfully, yeah. yeah. yeah By the way, reason the owl vehicle. Tony Sindler's Daredevil was that. not made. So yeah. great, great oh. casting, getting Bob Gunton to do that because, yeah. I mean, he's made a career uh, playing cranky old bastards and evil cranky old bastards too. But well, I uh, heard he's going to play Don Melton in the new uh, Apple movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, speaking of Apple movies, do you know who Foggy played in the Jobs movie? Do you know he was in what? there? What? He played Andy Hertzfeld. Uh, There's your Apple connection. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you guys knew that. The Apple connection. No, no. Uh, on ReviewCast, Guy and, uh, Guy and Renee and, oh yeah. and Drance I and I always do too. this. What's <laughs> What's the Apple connection to the movie we're reviewing? So that that's that's the one for Daredevil. Okay, that's a bit bananas. Yeah, that's uh. yeah. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> I, I you know what? I, I try to do research, Don. I try to make you happy. <laughs> it's not good enough. I can never. I always punch. make you happy. You should just give up. That's I cool. just want your love, Don. <laughs> A lot of editing oh, promotes to do all this here. work. A lot of editing. <laughs> this is solid gold. No, no, keep that I, I, in. I keep that in. I, I, want, oh, that, I want that plea to be. That, totally that plea has to be. Totally that that's got to go public, that plea. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. I'm playing that back to Renee and, and Matt. So. <laughs> I know we are kind of bouncing all over the place, but I, I don't know. I, I went back and rewatched but bounce the, some all more. these. Bounce some more, Tony. But, you know, <laughs> really? I, I thought episode 12 was kind of neat uh, and interesting. Because it is like all of the characters just kind of like spiraling off in these directions, mm-hmm. and there's the weird things where they kind of keep crossing paths in the office, like at you know two in the morning, and there's there's almost no scenes in that episode that take place during the daytime, except like the scene where he's parkouring across the rooftops to find Madame Gao's headquarters, and like right. the sense of time passing is very <laughs> weird and disjointed. In, the, in that episode where they keep having these different conversations at night in, in the office in different places like that. And it feels like just very d- disorganized with all the characters kind of spiraling off. And I thought it was very effective, right? I, because oh, yeah, dealing I, with her grief. I was thinking to Foggy myself, it's got to be to seven nights in a row to have that yeah. many scenes at night, right? Yeah, because it, 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 it did have this kind of like endless night quality, right? Which Well, it's like yeah. a, it's a darkest hour kind of And you get the idea that like, like, oh, like oh, at this point, yeah. all of the characters, and I mean, Matt has been living this, double life where he's going to work all day and then staying up all night and you kind of get the idea that like now everybody is doing that right everybody is like wandering around half dead like insomniac kind of stuff and they all look and and wait for it in the dark just like matt yeah nice zing um (laughs) one thing that that caught me on the second viewing was when they set fire to um gao's heroin production yeah. Business? Ah, uh, that's... A, okay, good, good, go. The actual fire is a horrible computer rendering. Like, yeah. the, the CG is bad. I don't know what you wanted me to say, Tony, but the CG is awful. And I'm kind of glad about that, because obviously, you know, don't set fire to a room full of people. But uh, it, it, like, stood out to me as being, like, Bold eh, words kind of clumsy. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, no, yeah, no, no. It, well, On this it was one, terrible. This is the kind of shit where you pay attention to guy English mm-hmm. because he knows. Yeah. Don't set fire to him. I'm just going to say that. Hey, no, I'm well, <laughs> to, hey, I'm just, some, you know. Is anybody not sitting everybody everybody knows that. If anybody sitting next to him now, dope slap him. No, I meant back to the CG thing. He knows his shit about that. Oh, oh, for the CG thing. Yeah, it just yeah, looked yeah. kind of crummy. Uh, sorry, yeah. but Tony, you... you Probably thought I was going to say something smarter than that. <laughs> I I had no such expectations. No, I thought I thought you were going to go down. I was laughing I, so hard I couldn't say that. Yeah, I thought honestly you were going to the ex- what I didn't like about it after what we've talked about, especially right. and kind of looking at it again was okay. So 
even Madame Gao has no has, has no qualms with killing these people and just you know gutting it down. They are they are you know osu. You know it's like you know the less than. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, it was it was problematic in a lot of ways, and I, I kind of mm-hmm. cracked the joke about the CG. But the entire thing is weird. And we talked about them turning into basically well, turning into uh, behaving as zombies, effectively. Um, we don't see him escaping that situation. I, I think that was just poor writing. Like, well, he shot a gun. Him? Well, he shot a gun up into the rafters to start the water flow. Right. And but everybody's l- grabbing him. He should be buried oh, no, 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 under no. like twenty people, and then we come back from what looks like a cut, and then. What? Like, oh, I see what you mean. And uh, then Madame Gao gives him the one-inch punch. Yeah, there's was, nobody yeah, around him. But how does he get away from the zombie crush? That's Guy's point, right? That's exactly it. I mean, you, and is it like was there? I wonder the that was there a like one minute scene where people, he punches that, twenty blind people and they cut that because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's because, too much. Yeah, I think they wrote yeah. themselves into a corner, and then they were like, "Whoa, okay, we can't resolve this." So, so next thing he's running to black, around the corner, paid to black, yeah. and reset the scene and just keep going. Like there, there, it was. I, I've got to agree with Guy on intent. this one. That was clumsy. It was clumsy. Both an intent yeah. and an execution. There, there, there was a problem there. Yeah. Hmm. Not, not to mention the whole moral, racial, psychotic tone of it. But yeah, that's what I mean by that, the intent of it. And then they yeah. put themselves into this position where it's like, well, we can't get out of this without doing something awful. And rather than going back and thinking, well, how do we get ourselves into this situation? They were like, uh, okay, smash cut to him getting out some other way. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway. Yeah, it, 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 you're absolutely right. You know, uh, it, I think that that's probably why the first time I watched 12, I did not see Madame Gao do the one inch punch. It oh, was no. because, okay. Right. Because, well, because I had just seen Matt getting onslaughted and I just, it didn't, it didn't register. You know, for whatever reason, like I, I didn't understand what I was seeing because it's like, wait a minute, you know, at, you know, as someone who edits things, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. And I just I missed it because I was looking for something else. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes no sense. It, they don't. I was expecting like, like a fade to black for an ad. Sorry, to and go I, ahead. They don't exaggerate it. And I think I saw it a lot more closely the second time through because they it's later that she has that conversation where we get the kind of hint that she's mystical right so i think yes. the first time i saw it was yeah. it like well does she just know martial arts also i mean what does knowing martial arts let you do versus knowing magic martial arts because she's a villain with magic powers that will maybe so, be explained later so let me get this right guys i mean, I mean how long have we been in the technology business and you guys don't use pause and rewind <laughs> <laughs> Well, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the answer is I do. Sometimes. I also turn on the uh, I turn on the captions a lot because oh, so you I get the thing where the microwave being on... thrown out of window. Oh god! I, <laughs> see, I, oh, I, I and I'm partially I'm partially deaf, and I never do that because I I detest it, and it drives me crazy watching it with my my wife because she always turns on captioning. I right. hate because she doesn't be- because it ruins the rhythm of a yes. show for me. Yes. Yes. And I if run, you, and if you, I if run you, stuff back all the time. I, I I'm like, wait, what did he say there? Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, the, the first time through, though, Dan, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I, just, yeah, I, yeah, I, I only watch most of this stuff once. I do it all the time for Arrow when we're when you're doing that. Oh, I'm man, like, wait, you I want to know. I know that never line watching was. TV together. <laughs> I, I, I never do this. I never do this when I watch times, it with someone so. else. I never do it when I watch it with somebody else. But if I'm like, you know, I've got on my 27 inch iMac here, or I'm in the the bedroom with my TV, and I can watch Netflix there. You know, I'm I'm pumping that remote a lot of times because I don't hear things mm-hmm. correctly sometimes. That's why you, know you watch them two or three times, Don. You, huh? you need to do, you turn it on the blind version. I did, and I was amazed at just being able to walk out of the room, get something to drink, but still be completely in touch with what I wasn't seeing. I loved it. I do want to see this because apparently they did a really good job with this. It's awesome. Netflix. Guy, it's um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really good. They made, for, for people who are listening that maybe don't know, uh, Netflix made Daredevil effectively accessible to people without sight. Is that, yes, that fair correct. to describe it that way? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you can, you, I guess, get a video <sighs> play kind of thing. Like you, uh, It is. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool that way. Yeah. That's... Uh, that's, it's I usually mean, called it's usually called the AD track, which is the um, uh, assisted dialogue track. I think that's what it stands for. It's great that they did it, especially with their show, and it just makes me like that company more. Like, just well, you know, good, uh, good for them. That's uh, just good for the world. I mean, I know it's a goofy superhero show, but you know, well, that's about- just a nice, just a nice thing to do. People right. need heroes. Twenty, yeah. twenty yeah. to thirty percent of the Blu-rays out these days have that. By the way, guys, and mm-hmm. so this is nice that Netflix is finally going there. But I mean, there are Blu-rays out there of just really shitty movies that have AD tracks. So. That's great. I didn't know that. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, a, I don't have a Blu-ray player, and uh, B, B, you're not a maniac of, uh, like me. So. Well, I have. That's why we're pals. Like you, can, <laughs> you can take care of all the Blu-ray viewing I need, and you can just describe it to me. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so but that's but, great uh, that they did it for this show, especially for this show. It's like a, like a, uh, a hero without sight is. Come on. Like, so did do a anybody good job watch this? That in, accessible. Right. Right. Did anybody watch this in 4K? Because I understand it was also available in 4K. What? Yeah, I I have not, but I know Jason Snell did because they or at least watched a couple episodes of it because we were talking about it the other day because he now has a 4K TV. I don't have, I don't have 4K TV. Sorry, he Neither does. Do That's savage. <laughs> well, having a 4K TV in any country except maybe uh, South Korea or you know uh, Canada, you don't have any content. But uh, I I mean. <laughs> The United States, you don't have any damn. You're just guys. You're just watching shadow plays up there, right? <laughs> it's how you see the red green show. It's all, it's all Punch you and Judy. Really seen it? So. Yeah, exactly. So. Cut the uh, RTV's in color too, guy. I don't Whoa. know if you know about that. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they talk. There's actually. You know, <laughs> There's so, not those title uh, cards in between. They've, been, they've invented and, like, talkies. Piano music playing in the they've background. They've invented yeah. talkies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Indeed. So, uh, because I noticed, uh, I noticed looking uh, up close at the uh, the 1080p version, because like an animal on my Retina 5K iMac, I can't watch the 4K. Um, that the 1080p uh, uh, print was just marvelously detailed. It's, it's very nice. Uh, it's got some manufactured grain to it. 
uh, but it, it's not uh, it's not the psychotic manufactured grain that those assholes who mastered the first two seasons of Breaking Bad did to that. Uh, it's very subtle, and there's a lot of detail, uh, clarity, not a lot of ringing. Uh, and when the bandwidth got up and it didn't cut down to the lower uh, bandwidth stuff, uh, the the reds, the monochromatic reds in the intro sequence uh, were not color banding. At other times, they were color banding, which is shitty uh, uh, encoding, but uh, it was pretty good. It's pretty good. I was impressed with that. This was one of the few times I wondered, oh, I wonder what this looks like in 4K. It's, that has not happened yet. I would uh, love to have seen it in 4K just to see it. Yeah. I've got like one fourth K. That cool? <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's, it's yeah, well, that's the same. Yeah, you need, you need all the Ks, guy. All, <laughs> I have to do, all you have to do is, what, Don, what do I have to do to get 4K? Like just pretty much walk maybe 40 feet from my TV and I got 4K? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> 40 feet. Um, no, you, first thing you got to do in 4K in this country is you got to pay Netflix a, a hell of a lot of money. And then you got to, for us over here, you, you, you've got to, I don't know, give Comcast oral sex or something to actually get enough bandwidth to get it to your house because that's not going to work over here. I mean, I can't get high enough bandwidth to do 4K here. Savages. All of them. Well, it's America. This stuff. is America. This well, is America. You gotta pay we, for it. Yeah, guy won't, but we will. No, my government will pick up the tab. That's uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, wait, what actually happens in episode twelve? Because um, really, I want to. We want to. You know, people want to actually hear us talk about right, the show. Right, right, so, right. Okay, like at least end on a bit. That, you know, okay, there you go, guy. I, I like where your where your head's at. Yeah. Um. Trying to make a show okay. here. You know? so, I don't want to have right. fun with you. I want to make a show. Cool. I know, I know, I know. I'm trying to get back to business here. Okay. Um, so. Well, it ends with Ben's death. Yeah, it does. It's the confrontation right. with Ben and Fisk. And I didn't, I mean, again, I didn't think Ben was going to die. But yeah. I didn't believe when, he could die. Right. Well, and he just goes, you did it to my mother. My mother. Yeah. And. He just snaps and blows, and he strangles him on three different surfaces. Yeah, first he, his desk, yeah. then kind of off tilted, and then finally on the floor. Well, they do a great job with Fisk's character in that he is—he um, seems completely in control until he is not. Mm-hmm. Yes, and when he is not, uh, you, God, you God help, help you! Like, who yeah. knows what's going to happen? Don't yeah. be near an open door. Yeah. He's yeah, like the yeah. closest thing to a human Hulk, like a mm-hmm. non green, super conductive kind of mm-hmm. menace. Yeah. Yeah. And again, getting back to the physicality point I was making earlier, uh, yeah, he's going to murder Ben Eric. There's no, oh. there's no getting out of that. Well, well and, and he it's almost the same killed. thing with the Wesley Karen yeah. scene almost, right? Good. Like, okay, yeah. this scene cannot end in right. some way without. Something really bad. I wasn't I'm sure. Not here, he's not going to walk, walk away. away. I, yeah. yeah, I agree. There was a loaded gun in that room with with mm-hmm. Uric and, and and Uric knew it because uh, at one point. Well, I don't think I he th- knows he's going to get killed because well, he, he says like you well, can't because he can't says beat don't me up, threaten right? me. He's like yeah, I've been yeah, threatened threaten. by a lot of people, but and that's when it. I think if you'd said something else, like 
okay, I won't write the story or, or something. I, I don't know. Um, I don't think it matters. Yeah. He, yeah, I, I think, think he was just pissed about his mom. Yeah, his mom says, right? I was not there to threat. I'm not here to threaten you. I'm here to kill you. Which, yeah. uh, you know, God bless him. He's a very honest man. Uh, <laughs> Straightforward. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he says he's got a lot of respect for him. And he apolog- like he starts off the conversation, which I loved, by apologizing to, to Uric and saying that, like, I didn't think you were relevant anymore. Oh, I thought that dialogue Which is was a pretty marvelous. good compliment, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't think you were relevant. You're, you're Turns th- out you really screwed, up, screwed with my business. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you've done a great job and you've found my mother. Uh, so I'm going to murder you. Like, it, and these are, we've kind of seen, the, like, his mother and his relationship with Vanessa are like the trigger points for him where he loses control, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I had had, I had listened to a podcast about the early episodes and, and there was a spoiler in it and that said like, at some point in Daredevil, someone gets decapitated by a car door and that there was, that was all I knew. But for like the first several episodes, every time I saw a car on the screen, I just flinched because like, could it be this car? <laughs> it was yeah. like, no, it, eventually it would be. But yeah, it seems like those are, because he is generally very in control um and it, it is kind of weird that he has this this well, conversation almost right yeah. yeah and it's weird that he has this conversation because because i don't know i'm i'm not sure if he went there to i don't know right because he says i'm here to kill you and like that's my intent but i don't i don't know if i believe that um, i don't know if I'm, he I'm showed uncertain. up in that exactly i don't know if he showed up at ben's place in order to kill him like, i think I don't that know conversation could have gone two ways I, well, I think talking to Ben so, and realizing that Ben was not going to bend, uh, he was. He was like, "No, now I'm here to kill you." Like, I'm. Oh you. well, it was, he was. He was. He was bending. He was bending the uh, uh, to get information. He mm-hmm. was. He was using Ben to see who, who else. else exactly. Yeah, but and that ben wasn't subtle. That I mean, I mean that's why. Well, ben he asked him directly. It, it wasn't subtle yeah, at all. Exactly, yeah. but. The like said, he asked uh, him he's if he a killed Wesley. He's a, yeah, he asked him if he killed Wesley, and 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 Ben didn't even know who Wesley was. Yeah, right? exactly. And then he goes, totally "Got that, it." Yeah, I totally believe that Fisk believed that. Like it was like, okay, you're you're off the hook for that. He was going to kill him. He wanted the information first. See, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe, uh, maybe it's just that Fisk is losing control and he's spiraling out of control at this point. Because I wonder if there if. He went there thinking, I will ask him these questions and then I will leave. And then in the middle of the conversation decides, like, there's actually, actually, there's only one way out of this. And it's, yeah, like, or just waiting. sitting in that chair waiting for him to come home. He's like, why stewing is he there? It, stewing why didn't in he it, have like, his guys grab Ben and bring him somewhere to some warehouse? Yeah, it's his mother. Because well, that's personal because it's about his mother. Yeah. And because he's, it's, and he's, he's, he's no longer being strategic, I guess, is the. So I, I don't have, know. He doesn't have Wesley as a go-between yeah. anymore either, right? Which is which is tricky because he's sort of taking a, a more hands-on approach, you might yeah. say. <laughs> Zing, Zing, oh, baby, Dad it's a gold star. <laughs> and here I was falling asleep, and uh, yeah, that was a good. One. Yeah. But you yeah. know what I do like, uh, just tangentially, is that um, the guy that gives Wesley James Wesley, we get his first name. Mm-hmm. This, this episode, tragically, um, he gives him the gun and the keys, and that guy he beats oh. the crap out of. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there was no mercy. 
No, it gives him a, a little bit of the fisk. He, mm-hmm. he beats <laughs> him a little bit. But after that, he just totally Iron trusts fisk? him. Iron fisk? Oh, zing. Yeah. Zing. Okay, well, Owsley go is the one who, uh, is the one who pulls uh, uh, off of him. And, of course, mm-hmm. when they're outside in the next episode and the guy is back, I can't think of the character's name. Owsley said... Francis. He's back working yeah. for you in, you know, surprise. Well, and, and the line and is... And Fisk yeah. says a very interesting thing is Wesley trusted him. That's all so that matters now. Him. Yeah, that's all that yeah. matters now. Which I, I, lo- I love. I just, I like... I do not want to be friends with Wilton, Wilton Fisk. Just let's put that on the table. Uh, on the other but hand, I kind of But you respect like his warped thinks. ethics, right? <laughs> well... <laughs> what? He's he's an Loyalty. interesting character, and you can you can you can understand the decision making process. Uh, as crazy as, as you know, obviously, See, kids uh, don't he, murder he anybody. Brought, but right, but the, this yeah. brings up a good point. another guy English too. Yeah. Right, the, but Wilson <laughs> that buildings on fire don't murder anybody. Anything else, guy? Uh, don't drink poison. I don't know what do you got. Don't drink poison. Guy, well, it's not always up I to never you. Write a you know, don't book. poison people. Yeah. Wilson, Wilson Fisk loves the city, and yeah. Matt loves the people, and there's a huge Ooh. difference. Oh, that's a yes. great Ooh, way of putting it. That was insightful. You but, should but drop the mic. Like you just drop the mic there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you that, well, I've been waiting for that. <laughs> no, no, I, well, I especially because I mean, Fisk loves the idea of the city, right? And yeah. and whereas Matt wants to protect what it is, right? I mean, right. Yes, you know. Fisk is bent on this this thing that could could exist that does not really yeah. right and he's oddly progressive, sort of. But I mean, in, in a way, in if the, you think you about know, it like that, he, he's. I like, mean, let's if you think about and build you know, something great, you know, but. condos and gentrification is progressive. Um, well, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, well, you, he's you know, going to get back, paid too. You know, yes. Yeah. Well, backing up to, uh, from this, the the reality is is uh, I don't know how much you guys know about. Hell's Kitchen or Clinton, as it's called now. Yeah, I mean, Fisk actually kind of won. I mean, that's that's yeah, what yeah, happened. That, that battle's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that battle's yeah, over. It, so. it, yeah, it well, got it's fist. a different it's a different Hell's Kitchen, right? Because yeah, it's yeah. the Hell's Kitchen post Avengers incident. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't hit the pause button. I forgot no, that I had that. it on. <laughs> that's okay. All right, so going into one the, the particular scene with him and Vanessa, he actually tells Vanessa who's unconscious. You know, he talks about his relationship with God, which obviously um, Matt has a completely different undertone of his Catholic guilt, if you will. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's shoot it around. Oh. So I think that's a bit. His Catholic guilt is kind of this big thing that he's got, and that's what he's always struggling with. With you know, is being a vigilante right or wrong? Is killing an evil man justified? And Fisk is basically kind of part of what we learn in, in that episode where Fisk is talking to Vanessa and he says, you know, uh, I can't pray or I've tried praying and it's just, I know I'm faking it and I'm just going through the, the mimicry of it. And like that further kind of establishes kind of how different these these characters are and what their relationship with the, the world is. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of, of Christian imagery throughout and there's the, you know, I mean, when Matt is in his uh, in the in his apartment in uh, episode ten and eleven and recuperating and um, 
not Karen, um, Claire comes by and talks to him about him being a martyr. And she reminds him that like, you know, martyrs always end up bloody and alone. And there's, there's a lot of that imagery. I think there's even like, I think it's intentional. He's got the wound on his side that he keeps reopening and is like bleeding. Oh, and like, that's look at you. Like that's gotta be Christ imagery. Right. I mean, I'm not always so oh, good totally. at picking up on these things, but that seems like, seems like that's what that's supposed to be. Um, so yeah. so that's like that seems like that's a big part of his identity as a as a character right and that, that defines him as being very different from you know Fisk who it kind of has his he does not have religion he doesn't really have a moral compass he just I think they're more similar because the the thing is you know Fisk doesn't know how to pray but Matt doesn't know how to do it either he has to go to the priest he doesn't even know how to use an intercessor I mean, that mm-hmm. one of the first lines the priest has in the first episode of the series is, son, this isn't how this works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it's to highlight the differences, but it's also to highlight the, the similarities is that when you get, you know, you sort of go to the dark side or even you go to this lighter dark side that Matt is in, it puts you in a similar place away from god's will or that connection with god or what's right and wrong because matt it's all about you know as foggy says in episode 10 you know taking the law into his own hands being judge jury and executioner as if to say who are you god so 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 i think it's a it's a more complicated tension than polar opposites i think it's also to highlight What's similar about them? One man's opinion. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, I, I, one of the things I appreciate about this show is um, that they do touch on these religious aspects, and they do it in such a way that um, it's not about the religion; it's about uh, the people and how they cope with their own actions and their their mm-hmm. decision making religion is a very impersonal thing it's about faith and you know right like there's the religion is sort of the the veneer of that but it, it comes down to what are the things they believe and what do they have faith in right right it's a cultural contextualization rather than uh i mean I'd, whatever we could do like an eight-hour dissertation <laughs> I don't. I don't think we are qualified. Most of us, maybe Don, but not the rest of us. Yeah, um, but they don't use it as a cudgel. They don't use it as a as a broad brush. Um, Matt's growing up as a Catholic, and his um, interactions with the church are difficult, as many people are with their religion. But he still feels. A, I don't like to use the term Catholic guilt because... Um, I think he used that term. Guilt. It's about... Uh, you just feel guilty because you hurt a lot of people. Like yeah. the- well, and, and the guilt of... I know I know what I'm going to have to do. I know what, like, what yeah. my role as a martyr is going to entail. And I want it's to... It's going that- to break the, the rules of the church that i yeah and and frankly it will break the rules that god set before me i am going to i'm going to break the ten commandments i'm going to do the things that i've been told not to do yeah so his his disjoint from his uh cultural 
imperative uh, is where the guild comes from. And uh, the cultural imperative in, in this case is one of a Catholic upbringing. So right. that, he, that, he, that's, he, what, that's what we get. Yeah. He was born into inequity, as we all were. And sure. yet he's playing yeah. equalizer. Yes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The yeah, equalizer. NBC, 8 o'clock, <laughs> Thursday nights. I don't think it's just Catholicism here. I think it's the whole idea of, uh, and I'm not Catholic, maybe I'm wrong. I think it's the whole idea of really what's right and wrong and who says what's right and wrong. A uh, psychologist yeah, that you go to and you talk to. He never attends service. Nope. There's, no. He, he, he gets coffee. Sure. And he basically talks to the guy as the psychologist at, at any time. He has literally, he's literally have cafeteria, uh, cafeteria and Catholic. <laughs> as a longtime churchgoer, I would have really preferred that uh, to a lot of services I've been to. But I digress. So for Fisk, I think it, I, I think the, the whole thing that he's talking about with Vanessa when she's still out is about pleading to God. And he makes this interesting turn with not only telling her that he doesn't know how, but it's not something he would do anyway, because that's not the way he solves problems. Because the soliloquy was about the fact that he's going to exact vengeance, you know, something he says that not even God could do. So it's a very interesting turn for him in that little, you know, lot around religion. God, not even God could stop me. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. But uh it and that's, you know, that when I talked about the the dialogue in this in this series, you know, just the the number of uh soliloquies that uh D'Onofrio gets, they're even bigger than um Charlie Cox's. I mean, just the number of times he's uh, monologuing. But it's, and it's it all great. Feel, it, it, yeah, but it's not over-the-top campy. No, 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 not at all. And, talking... and that's, that's why you want an actor with the gravitas of D'Onofrio to do a cartoon villain. In other words, to defrock the cartoon from it, right? Wow. To, Defrocking? You know, to, Zing. Well, we were talking. We were talking priests, right? So uh, I pulled the defrock word out, but it's uh, the um, you know it's to remove uh, that campy sheen from it. Uh, I don't know. It's it gives it it gives it some it gives it some gravitas. It gives it some teeth. It gives it uh, a basis in uh, reality when, of course, nothing here could be real. Mm, well, I don't know. Well, okay, you're right. I don't like to admit that very often, but you're right. <laughs> you really want you really want uh, Batman and Arrow and everyone else uh, to have been real, right? <laughs> that's what well, you're saying. <laughs> I I really just more want to be Daredevil. I mean, that's what I wanted <laughs> yeah. as a boy, and I would take on the mantle of being blind if if I could, you know, jump around on buildings and. Be able to get just completely 
bloodied and never give up. Yeah, yeah. You know it hurts too, right? It's not. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not all all candy and rainbows. (laughs) Well, that's true. So so when I was a teenager guy, I figured out that part. So that's when my aspirations for being a superhero uh, went down. That's when you stopped fighting crime? I've been fighting crime my entire life, and I am (laughs) never, ever, ever going to quit. Uh, Well, you've. We've got you to protect us. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our old savior from the north. And coming down to Parbat and getting hit by lightning. Boom. <laughs> Double whammy. This ties a lot of the things I remember about the comic books as a kid together and makes the old me, you know, very happy because it's very believable. It's grounded. And the other thing that's very... Uh, that I like about it, and you could never do it in a movie, and you can never do it in a regular a television series. Uh, there's far more talking heads in this series than there is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, 1960s era Batman crash, pow, boom, stuff like that. I mean, some of the set pieces are nice, but Jesus, there are times when it goes for like ten minutes, just people talking back and forth. I mean, we're we're talking the director and the editor must have went nuts. Like, how are we going to block this? Because there's so damn much dialogue. But it's such interesting dialogue. And you get to know these characters, except the Asian ones, really, really well. Yeah. Uh, and I love yeah. that. And yep. I totally agree. I totally agree, Don. Excellent. This is why Daredevil is awesome and beats yes. everybody. Yes. yes. Flat out. Don't. don't. Except, most, ex- except most for Batman. trying to pick a fight with me right now. <laughs> I was just agreeing with him because I, I knew, he, into this fight I knew he was baiting most, one of you. He is yeah. my second favorite red costumed Marvel hero. That's, yeah, I'll I'm give you not, that. I'm not engaging. Yeah. Who's yeah. the first red? Uh, God, there's this, there's my heart belongs to a man of the spiders who is a, a if you will say a Spider Man. So, yeah. Oh, I've heard of him. I've I read a lot of Spider Man. So yeah, Daredevil beat yeah. him up in a comic. I, I thought. Uh, no. you know, let's. Yeah, I'm let's sure agree, they fought. Let's let's agree that they both have done important works for the people <laughs> of New York City. So okay, all right. Um, the ones on one side of town, ones on the other. Okay. Yeah. I'm, well, Spider Man controls the whole. You know. All mm, happens, okay. So. Let's just be careful mm. where we're going there. All right. Well, I <laughs> let's agree to disagree. I will say this: that uh, as of this series, Daredevil has had a much better cinematic treatment than than unfortunately yeah. Yeah, Spider-Man not, has not had gonna so argue far. that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. give you that. I yeah. I don't know if you can translate Spider Man well. Um Spider Man one and two, the original ones were pretty good. Uh yeah. Spider Man three but was capturing what Spider Man is actually yeah. about is is hard. Uh but see and that's I think that's where they could we go back to this and this has come up multiple times now. This the, the uniqueness of this show and the way it was put together. Could you potentially do a thirteen series on Spider Man? I think oh, it's sure. possible. Sure. 
And I think it could be very interesting as long as they don't get caught up in the whole origin story and say, you know what, let's let's move forward. Let's tell a great story over 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but let's not forget that we've been having uh, almost Arrow-style flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. On Daredevil. True, um, true. And one thing I don't, we, we didn't cover this, um, in the train yards, his first Hello. Just lost superhero-y you thing... Hello. Is hunting down a, a? Is that on? Say it one more time, a guy you you'd, you'd phased out on us. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, his first superhero adventure is in the train yards. Uh, is that in these episodes we're covering? That's in episode ten. He talks to Foggy about. I think ten or eleven. That's he it. talks to Foggy about thought. how. Yeah. And you know, and yeah. I think that was because that's kind of his origin story. We get his origin in Drips yeah. and Drabs, and like that was to me. The big part of his origin of like, you know, again, because it's it, it is that weird thing where Matt Murdock is a lawyer and a vigilante, right? And that mm-hmm. it's the kind of weird duality of like he is kind of a representation of like justice and the system, but then he also will do whatever he needs to to, to kind of get things done, right? But in that, and, and he talks about in the story like he tried to do the right thing. He talked to Child Protective <laughs> Services, and like that failed. And that's when he steps in, um, yeah. which is it's 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 an interesting version of it because like I mean there is still there's it's always you have to kind of like put it out of your mind when you're watching superhero stuff that the idea of a vigilante is kind of ridiculous and mentally deranged and and doesn't totally make sense as a as a hero uh, in the modern world but it it kind of works with him and you know I, I mean it yeah. is it's very interesting that he is like basically a, a, a legal authority figure and then also a vigilante and that kind of like i mean that, that conflict yeah. between those eats at him right like right. He is, yeah he, he, and he because is in the real world the right time. now the in the real world right now the people who do that are you know right-wing crazies in mm-hmm. you know utah and stuff like that <laughs> yeah i so, mean if batman uh, was real he'd be a gun nut right i mean that yeah exactly <laughs> so, he'd, so he'd have a really sweet compound in you know in some we don't exactly. talk poorly about Bruce Wayne on this podcast. <laughs> um, one, one thing that did confuse me, not confuse me, but uh, he goes out in a hoodie and he mm-hmm. masks his eyes. Uh, but he's not very great at fighting in the first, you know, in the train yards. He, he gets beaten well, up he, a he does bit some, before. Well, he does some flip like, moves there. You know, it's yeah. not, and he keeps getting up. Just like well, before, yeah. right? he like does keep getting up, yeah, he and he also, doesn't know when to stay down. Also, he yes. hits that guy way too much. Uh, oh, jeez! Puts him in the, that guy and, was and I was thankful that they added the line that he put him in the hospital for a month because, by and large, this show is pretty. Um, I don't want to say realistic, but it uh, it accepts that violence has repercussions. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Which yeah. is yeah. sometimes a problem, even with the other Marvel stuff. That was one of my problems with the Avengers. Is like we don't kill, but you know that guy will never walk again because I hit him with a vibranium shield. So that's oh, that's they kill him. people all the time. Like yeah, yeah. Cap in, in Cap three, he's tossing Cap people off the boat. Guess what happens when you get tossed off a boat? Uh, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, but those like, were bad. Well, guys. in the first so, Avenger, yeah. he's you know he's he's killing Nazis left and right. Yeah, blowing yeah. them Cap up. Has doing no problem all sorts of he he in Avengers one because uh, I just watched it within a month or so when they're trying to fix the um, 
I'm going to call it a fan, but whatever, the, the, the rotor that the yeah, yeah, lifts yeah, yeah, the ship. Yeah, yeah. He just kicks a guy off. Oh, yeah. Like, and he just falls to his death, and he's got no problem with it. What he's not good is but, shooting a guy, because when he gets a gun, he can't aim. I don't know. Maybe they didn't super soldier that part of him, but uh, probably should have. Uh, well, he, he, he had but, pretty good aim in the uh, Captain America First Avenger, so uh, apparently being frozen just screwed up his aim. But <laughs> I, I noticed this in a lot of, uh, and they couldn't really do this because easily with uh, some of the characters, but in a lot of superhero films, and, and George, George Lucas was really the pioneer uh, of this with uh, the Stormtroopers, is how do you kill a whole bunch of Stormtroopers? You impersonalize them. You you know you cover their faces and their yeah, bodies, on them. so they're not yeah. people in them anymore. Uh, That's why we have Ultron, where they kill all the robots, right? right. Like, exactly. You can do that without feeling bad about anything. Right. Exactly. Uh, and this is a this is a trope in a lot of these movies. And even though you know, as comic book fans and everything else, we have to realize you can't get too into this. It's kind of a bad thing. Um, you know, even in um, uh, films like The Dark Knight, uh, Batman mm-hmm. doesn't kill anybody, but he sure cripples a lot of folks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and he, in fact, he uh, in, in fact he makes a joke out of it uh, one time, dropping a guy, you know, off a was it three stories or something? Yeah, it's going to break your legs. legs yeah, and, yeah. 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 Uh, let me so, take a, a, a page from the Guy English book of life philosophy. I love Batman, and everything about him is great, but he is not a good model for how to live your life. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, and, and, and neither – and the thing is, neither is is Matt Murdock. I mean, cause, mm-hmm. uh, because he goes back to the line that I thought that was interesting is, you know, he can't – he cannot – he can't stop doing this. Mm-hmm. It is his nature, and that's his torment. Mm-hmm. Uh, which makes for you know those beautiful conversations we he has with the priest. Um, oh yeah, mm. those are great. You know, it, yeah. Even though when I was a kid, you know, I uh, I never wanted to lose my sight. I, that, that, the idea always freaked me out. But I, you know, I wanted to be a superhero. I wanted to run across rooftops and stuff like that. And Absolutely. Do That's all these kinds of things. Do all these kinds of things. But at their core, a lot of the characters, the really good ones, are just hopelessly screwed up. Yeah, they have their own psychosis. Right. Yeah, yeah, and that's what makes them interesting. That's what makes the I mean, stories interesting. Because at the end, a good superhero movie is not about superheroes. It's about ordinary people through an extraordinary prism. Because if you can't make that connection, then you know what's the point? Which is um which is a a needle that, um, for example, with Age of Ultron, that Joss Whedon threaded oh so carefully for you to be able to do in what is truly heightened reality. Daredevil, it's much closer to the real world, but frankly, nobody lives in a place, you know, like Hell Kitchen that's quite that violent. I, I you know, I'm not even sure uh, back in the 70s whether East LA was or 60s whether East LA was quite that violent. So um, you have to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So just as a, a guy English lesson, don't 
Don't go out there and vigilante. Okay, are boys? You, yeah, are you telling me I shouldn't be fighting crime? <laughs> Call the cop. Guy, next time, stay inside. Call the police. Or the Mounties, whatever you've got. The Mounties, oh. <laughs> the Mounties always get there, man. Stop, <laughs> drop. Yeah. Just stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, stop, drop and roll. Perfect. So, Thanks for the advice, kids. Leave it to the professionals. Okay. <laughs> Even though you are a professional, I, I just, you know, it's real important that we want you to be able to do more shows. Okay. So <laughs> I'll try to keep he's that more in a, mind. He's more of a prosumer crime fighter. Exactly. <laughs> Dan, you have the worst jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they, they cut like a knife. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, okay. Are we that's done? Because we should have been done when Don said something smart. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Don did. Always, did, did. End, always end when I sound smart and not yeah. when mm-hmm. I sound stupid like right now. You're dropping a big theme there. So yeah. I will <laughs> say we've been going. I may even split this into two pieces. I don't know mm-hmm. yet. But, gentlemen, this has been an absolute honor and pleasure. I had a feeling that this was going to be a big one, and this did not disappoint in the <laughs> least. I loved it. Thank you, Guy, Don, Tony, and Dan. Wonderful episode. Thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. Totally enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.